when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. What's good, Internet? It is Wednesday, November 22nd, 2017. Maybe you're in a car or a train or a plane or maybe you've already arrived to your to a Thanksgiving destination. Maybe you're home and you're not going anywhere, in which case, good on you. Uh, <laughs> maybe you got that 72-year-old uncle who said, hey, let's talk about politics. And you're like, ah, ah I needed to, so, to go somewhere with my yep. ears uh, and, a, and a bottle of Jack and just like... <laughs> Do anything but that. <laughs> you can't take this podcast away from me, Uncle Jim. <laughs> this is mine. I want to hear them talk about killing Nazis. <laughs> well, he's he's probably got some thoughts on Nazis. <laughs> yeah, he probably thinks they're very fine people. Let's be honest. Yeah, uh-huh. that's what Uncle Jim thinks. There's just a, not all of them, but he thinks that there are some <laughs> fine people in there. You got to hear both sides. You know, mm. both sides are doing violence. Uh, those are the voices of Patrick Klepik and Danielle Riendo. Also joining us today, the the Nazi killer himself, Robert Zachney. <laughs> Max Haas. <laughs> Max Haas is here. Okay. We got Max Haas joining us. Um, hey, hi. We said we were going to do this. We're doing it. It's, uh, it's the second uh, episode of Wolfenstein uh, Waypoint 101. We're going to tackle first the, the second half of... Right on time. Right on, on time. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, we really wanted to wait until it was just after the <laughs> the uh, the the one year uh, election anniversary to make it really mm-hmm. timely. Yeah. So we uh, we're gonna do the first half of Wolfenstein uh, the New Order. I always get these names weird, which is bad because they're good names, but together they always blend in my head. So we're gonna do the first half of Wolfenstein or second. And the first half of the podcast is going to be on the second half of Wolfenstein: The New Order, and then we're gonna we're gonna take a break. We're gonna be very clear and delineated, and then we're gonna shift into talking about the New Colossus, which just came out a couple of uh, months ago, or I guess last month at this point. Um, and then uh, that that'll also kind of be just like the larger conversation around Wolfenstein and Nazi killing and etc. So we want to make sure that people who have not had time yet to, to pick up uh, the New Order can can still enjoy. The, the Waypoint 101 on the first half. So again, we'll make a pretty clear delineation. And the new Colossus. This is my warning to everyone on this podcast. No spoilers for a new Colossus until until after we finish the New Order one. Okay. Uh, you know, it, it, it is a small, like, aside that uh, video games are, well, just media in general. Movies yeah. are bad. There's subtitles. Like, yeah. they're bad. Like, yeah. uh, horrific. Like, Horizon Zero Dawn. You know what would have been a better name? Horizon. That's a great name for a game. <laughs> Didn't yep. need the Zero Dawn. That's what you call your DLC. That's uh, what you call your DLC. <laughs> or and, your, like, seventh sequel. Yeah, or something like that, um, <laughs> where you don't want to use the two, but you want to use a, a subtitle. Well, and the, her, uh, the Horizon one's sign, bad. Yeah, the real the Horizon one is like I think famously bad because zero, zero. dawn it has means, zero in- it means nothing till you've beaten the game and zero. then it says something about the game itself and you can't even do the fun naming thing where if it was if it was Horizon first dawn the next one would be like Horizon second light and then the third one could be like Horizon you know trio town or whatever like that's. <laughs> 
I thought you were going to go for a sunset there. You had a theme going. You had a whole theme going. You had the dawn, the first light. Uh-huh. I thought there was going to be Horizon, you know, right. sepia sunset or something. No, no, there, no. But they can't do that because it's zero, which means the next one can't be first anything because it's the second game. Oh. Anyway. I'm just saying, Wolfenstein, like, they, they they pick good subtitles. I like both the New yes, Order and New Colossus. Yes. Say, I mean, it's partly because uh, Wolfenstein means something. Like, it already communicates yeah. all, something about the game. So they're, they're, you know, working with leverage that other games don't. But, like, New Order and New Colossus say something about, like, some of the politics, but more about, like, the tone of those games in a way that, like... You could see them not having put those on there and just said, yeah. oh, it's a new Wolfenstein. But I think yeah. it says something about those games, especially in the choice of New Colossus, like specifically, like is a, I think a really smart subtitle and just, you know, it's it's one of as many small details that I appreciate about these games, but mm-hmm. one that extends to a point that most games don't even consider, probably because yeah. marketing gets involved and says, hey, by the way, how did the marketing get involved? Is there- I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Sorry. Sorry. I'm just, it's a little thing from 2017 that's really, a lot of things in 27 bugged me, but on, in the like the list of like small things that don't actually matter, but that get you really riled up, Horizon Zero Dawn's name has been on the top of that list. I'm with you. I'm with you. So let's talk about about uh, the second half of, of the new the new order. Where did we leave off again? Um, we ended uh, with uh, uh, we left, when oh, they when the, they escape when they escape uh, the uh, the the Levi, Levi, not Leviathan the right? Nautica the Nautica the Nautica yeah the 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 like aerospace facility at uh, right no, London we, yeah was that when they escaped that or it was, was that right when... after the uh, the big reveal, okay yeah, yeah yeah I think I believe wait the big reveal the, the about big reveal? the nature of the stuff of, of the beast oh with, about the, yeah. the concrete yeah no i think concrete just the, and also just like oh, the that it's magical dust you you know right, properties right. that's what the nazis are actually getting all their science from i think we were right, right after that right it is yeah. it's it's god i don't is that what the noise? what is it how do you pronounce that is, is it not dust you no no because that's that you should yeah it's it's you could someone wrote in someone wrote in and said you could is pronounced with a hard ch similar to the sound wait now i don't know Nope, because it's you should. Uh, similar no. to the sound of the letter J in Javier. Uh, but that's a soft J. Wait. That is a soft no, J. No, no. We, it means the sound. You okay, could. that's what you could. Okay. Yeah. Can we okay. come up with an alternate name that we don't no. butcher for the next <laughs> you can, look, 45 you can ang- minutes? You can, you can anglicize it and say you should. It's fine. Well, everyone will know what you meant. I'm going to okay. try. Das, it's das, right? First, das. No, that, das. No. it's dot. 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 Dot? This is bad. It's D A apostrophe A T, and I don't okay. know how to pronounce that because I, you know, I, I didn't go to. I want to get it right. I want to get it right. So anyway, uh, so here's, the thing that's, here's where we here's where we left off. Uh, our intrepid heroes have just attacked the London Nautica, uh, and that's sort of where it starts to bring out its themes of this is an exhausted and burned out band of freedom fighters, uh, and. A lot of them are starting to lose hope because this has been like a 20-year struggle and there's no end in sight. Right. And until like recently, they've been losing. And we were actually just before the major reveal where uh, what the resistance uncovers is the fact that like all of the Nazis' construction – uh, is dependent on this like super concrete, which, uh, yeah, fun fact, somebody pointed this out in one of the letters. Um, Albert Speer, uh, who was sort of the mastermind of a lot of uh, Nazi war plans and eventually became like head of industry, was also 
uh, an aspiring architect. Hmm. And his vision for post-war Germany uh, and sort of the way the uh, third the the Empire of the Third Reich would look uh, was in fact a fuckload of concrete buildings uh, <laughs> in in sort of a neoclassical mm-hmm. uh, style, except it all would have been garbage because it all would have been Nazi concrete sculpture. Uh, so it would have been like brutalism without the creativity. Anyway, <laughs> so everyone discovers that like, okay, how were the Nazis able to basically like transform the world so extensively in the wake of the victory? It's because of the super concrete. But what was hinted at while you're in uh, the prison break and then a little more in the Nautica is that a lot of these structures are starting to crumble. Uh, there's something going wrong with the concrete, and they trace it back to its origins, uh, which is a lot of it is being produced out of this one factory in uh, like the former Yugoslavia, right? Which is also a concentration camp, right? And they're like, something is going on there. Somebody is like tainting the concrete, and we need and and whoever is doing that clearly like knows something about this. So we need to get in there and uncover like what is actually happening here. People are getting Uh, sick from it too, right? Like it's not just that it it is, it's like, it's literally also making people because there's a mold that's growing in it. Yeah. Yeah, There's that conversation that happens during the prison break when you go to get, uh, uh, um, who are you breaking out? Um, well, you're either breaking Fergus or, or you're Fergus. breaking. Oh, oh, oh yeah, right. I guess, yeah, I guess yeah. it swaps either. Um, yeah, and there's a conversation you can have, uh, or like you overhear if you uh, like slow down right when you enter where you're about to to uh, save either of those characters. And two of the uh, the Nazis are talking about like their families right. getting sick and some other families are getting sick, and they think it's the concrete, but then like they're trying to shut down any conversation that it might be about the concrete and <laughs> and things like that. So, mm-hmm. so then you head for this factory slash. Slash uh, concentration camp to locate the the person who who is is kind of uh, sabotaging this stuff, right? Yeah, and the the person you're looking for is Set Roth, and he is uh, a well, he's part of this like Jewish mystical order of uh, super scientists slash magicians uh, who uh, apparently since like the dawn of Jewish history have been, as Anya puts it later, uh, worshiping God with their creations. They've been creating to create. And along the way, they just coincidentally like designed a fuckload of super weapons that fell into the hands uh-huh. of uh, virulent anti-Semites. Uh, and we can talk about that in just a little bit. Isn't it ironic? Uh, but- <laughs> Anyway, so that's <laughs> that's kind of uh, the, his background, and you're kind of going to hook up with him and see if he knows ways to derail this uh, Hood, uh Nazi war machine and maybe get your hands on some stuff of your own. The thing I wanted to ask you guys. Wait, wait I think you're just being very casual. You're not going to hook up with him. <laughs> you're going to, like, infiltrate a concentration camp by means of being captured and sent to the concentration camp. The game is also very offhanded about this. It's like, yeah, well, fair. I better that's infiltrate fair. this concentration camp. 30 seconds later, BJ Blazkowicz, who, by the way, is like in extraordinarily good health. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> the people being rounded up and sent to these camps have been like living underground, yeah. like, and trying to hide from the Nazis. Here comes this like giant, hulking, like American football player. <laughs> and everyone's like, yeah, this seems legit. Uh, but my question for you is. Because we got some letters on this, and some of the criticisms leveled against the game, particularly, I think, in a um, piece that Ed Zitron, if if anybody is familiar mm-hmm. with him, mm-hmm. uh, published. The, one of the places this game really falls down 
is that even as it tries to acknowledge the horrors of Nazism, you go to a concentration camp that is still like a super sanitized concentration camp, as well as it all has this like patina of comic book uh, plot lines around it, right? Like right. literally you're going to meet, uh, you know, Jewish Tony, uh, Yiddish Tony Stark, basically. <laughs> right. Uh, and I'm curious what you guys made of this entire sequence and how well this game carries it off. It's a, it's a sequence that uh, we're not going to talk uh, a, a lot about Wolfenstein 2 here, but a sequence that uh, really it seems even weaker in relative to uh-huh. some of the things that Wolfenstein 2 ends up leaning into, which is like giving like more breathing room to moments like this. Like I think part of the reason it, it, it was, I was impressed by it when I first played the game because the fact that you were even exploring a concentration camp, like in like this big budget shooter was like kind of an incredible thing. Like that, like the shock value of that. It was even doing it like worked on, on some level It's something that deteriorates over time, like over on a second playthrough isn't exposed as uh, not being particularly, not as strong as it could have been, especially given some of the sequences in Wolfenstein 2 where they, I think, find moments to, like, just let you explore and not necessarily immediately engage in combat. And, like, that whole sequence where you're kind of wandering around and theoretically getting to, like, getting a lay of the land, it should have gone on for a lot longer. Yeah. There should have been more mm-hmm. conversations. Like, even if there, it wasn't going to wallow in the misery as much as maybe... It, it could have for it to be more a little more effective. Uh, I found that there's. I wish I could have gone and had some more ambient conversations or listened in on some more about like what was happening in this camp as opposed to you basically get in like you bust up a piece of machinery <laughs> because you just luckily get plucked out of line by uh, the lover boy on the train mm-hmm. and then just happen to meet a guy who can tell you like how to break the machinery. Um, and I, I just would have, even those are all like comic book contrivances that like I'm willing to overlook because it's the whole like, game is kind of a comic book. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and and it, it is often aware of that in a way that like it often makes it work. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I needed more time with the people there because it, it's it's hard not to look back on it as though the fact that it was in a concentration camp, like, and the fact that other like the fact that it did it cast a magic spell that happened to make me overlook like how little it actually did with that, and then makes it seem like in retrospect it it doesn't show enough respect for what it was playing with um, by not allowing a little more of the the gravity of the situation, other than just like. I opened up a door and like a bunch of bodies showed up. Like right, you slide through a chute and land on bodies. Yeah, like, which is yeah. like shocking up front, but is 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 shockingly shallow for the kind of world they were playing with. Well, like there were, the thing that's frustrating for me there is, and, and you know, as always, like I don't know if I didn't find the right pickups or whatever the collectibles, but um, the question ended up being like, so how is this? I, they should have spoken to what what does a concentration camp look like 20 years after the war has ended, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in a way that made me feel like there had been some sort of growth or change or or that it got worse or like, like I, I mean, I, I guess I can conceive of the notion of like, oh, the same, this place has been the same as it ever was for 20 years and now it makes uber concrete. <laughs> um, but it feels like everywhere else in the world, and maybe this is maybe this is to its credit, but it feels like everywhere else in the world you're finding things that are like, this is how time has changed this place. Um, and this place feels locked in time. And maybe that is part of what it 
means to be a concentration camp, right? To be a prison. So maybe I'm underselling this. Um, but it, it, I don't know, like it, it felt, it felt like it was leaning on that shock value instead of that, that like opportunity for, for greater characterization and, and like more, uh, more detail to the world building. How did you all feel about the little side quest ish in this area to go and kill that one Nazi in the building? Uh, did you all talk to the lady that's like right yeah. outside of the building? Yeah. Well, is it like you kind of st- like you have to go in there? Yeah. Um, yeah. Like she that- sort I don't of- think you have to talk to her though, right? Mm. Um, I'm not, no, because I think she is basically just telling you some extra color for what you're going to okay. find in there, yeah, which is, yeah. hey, there's a really bad, sadistic Nazi in there, which, you know, kind of redundant, right? Bad even, concentration uh, yeah, camp. yeah. It's the knife, uh, right? That's the, that's the name the of knife. that. The knife, that's yeah. the guy, yeah. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, it was fine, I guess, yeah, I guess my problem with it, again, is like, Oh, there's there's a really bad evil sadist in there. Well, no, it's an evil sadistic regime. It once again like personalizes like the atrocity, but in a way that like part of what is uniquely horrifying about the Holocaust is that is that it was this method uh methodologically sound uh scientific industrial uh genocide. Like all the tools of modernity were like harnessed to perpetrate an absolute monstrous and barbaric crime and what wolfenstein is doing in the sequence is basically like oh there's a mean crazy guy with a knife in there <laughs> and yeah. it's like uh, that's not really what's driving right. the holocaust like to a degree it is a bunch of middle managers who sort of cheerfully decide yeah this is this is a good career move this is what they <laughs> want to be doing with their lives um the other thing that pissed me off honestly how many fucking times is BJ Blazkowicz gonna be tied to a chair and like stabbed by a Nazi and then like break out of it and and like murder him? Like at a certain point, I just want to murder fucking Nazis. I don't even want to be scared of them. Like I just want to like go up and just beat the shit out of them. And like having the knife turn out to be some sort of like preternaturally aware like uh, you know Uber Commando who's like aha I've caught you BJ. Fuck that. Like I just want to I just want to like whack that dude. Like, also, we got this scene already in this game, right? Like, yeah. this scene is just the Death's Head scene again from the top. And, like, Death's Head is a much, much more menacing villain. Um, and, and it does communicate a sort of, like, all right, this motherfucker is still in, like, they're all just Nazis. But this motherfucker is, like, he's the Nazi who urges on other Nazis to be as bad as they fucking are. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you get that from Death's Head. That, or like more specifically, Death's Head's character is he is this genius who has figured, quote unquote genius, who has unlocked this, this stolen ancient Jewish technology and is providing technology to the rest of the regime. And so you can very specifically see how his presence is not just menacing in the like, the he's a Nazi and therefore scary, but also in the like, because of what he's doing, he is emboldening the rest of the regime to do things that that they otherwise would not have the ability to do. Um, and so, like the knife is like like Mangala, but not right. Like there's not a yeah. we don't. And I think I think actually in the new Colossus, this would just be Joseph Mangala. You know what I mean? I think they would have yeah. leaned in. Yes, um, and just they gone all be the shy. way. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, 
so yeah, but, I don't know. This whole sequence, I don't want to sit with every sequence for for an extended period yeah. of time. You you end up meeting um, Babade, who then like gives you a couple of tasks to go meet up with, or he lets you kind of like uh, he 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 lets you switch block houses, right? You switch block houses with another person to connect them back with their with their partner and then uh, with their wife, I think, and then you uh, you eventually meet Set, and and he's like, "Go get me a big battery for this huge device. I'm going <laughs> to sneak around by putting it in my back pocket. It's so big." Like, I get it. Video games need things to be big so you can read them. But there are all these sequences where he has this fucking hacking device that is the most gigantic thing, and no one ever takes it from him. Yeah. Where does it's he hide? Honestly, where does he hide that thing? I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to figure There's out. There's nowhere to hide things. Well, according to the scene later, he's literally just holding it behind his back. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Like, he's not, there's not like a secret. Jewish yeah. stick it up your butt technology that no, he's working on. That. It's, well, it's, oh, well, let's not. Hey, hey, hey. I mean, they invented a lot of things. Them. We don't no. know. <laughs> I don't want to spoil we'll, the next we'll, game, but. Well, the third two DLC is going to deal with game. some of the weirder SM <laughs> technologies that they, they worked on. But yeah, no, he's God. literally just holding it behind his back, like yes. when, when when that scene happens. So Which, what do we think about set? <laughs> uh, yeah, besides that part, besides that oh, yeah, part, what do we think about. You meet set. What do we think about set? Rob, you did a long yeah, inhale. Yeah, well, well. Okay. Um, wait, is there? A, is, wait. Oh, that was Rob sighing. I thought that was uh-huh. yeah. No, I no, I was just I was. Con- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, door blew open. Okay. No. Um, I liked set. I think more in the first game, the first time I played it. But as I've spent more time with that character and reflected on it, uh, I feel it may it sort of runs afoul of. Too many Jewish stereotypes and archetypes are piled together into one character, and it begins to feel not great in terms of, like, humanizing and distinguishing an individual uh, who is Jewish and expresses their Jewishness versus we need to make the most Jewish scientist character imaginable. (laughs) Uh, And so here we go. Like... If you've ever heard, um, what was it that that Opie and Andy where they're talking about Independence Day? Uh, I've with, not heard uh, the Opie and Andy where they're talking about Independence Day. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's a little it's a little bit of that. Uh, it's it's a it's he's he's a collection of really intense Jewish stereotypes and signifiers. Oh, like Jeff Goldblum's dad, Independence Day. That, that's yeah. what they're talking about. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That character oh, is is oh, the oh. same thing where it's just like like I don't know like. What do white people think of Jewish people? Like, ah, that guy. Like, I watched some Seinfeld. Like, I know what Jewish <laughs> yeah. people are like. Um, it's, yeah. yeah you're, especially, uh, I think it's, uh, again, not to talk too much about one size two, but, like, it. it's unfortunate they don't find a little more ways to sort of, like, diversify that character or split hit, like, what they're trying to accomplish with that character into just other people. Yeah, it's definitely, I think it's a tough one because this character archetype is a character archetype that's in fiction that's in jewish fiction um that i that is is warm and like fun and is like uh, it is neat to see this character archetype in a video game because it's one of those things where you realize like oh right i've never met the old yiddish guy who plays chess in the park 
like in yeah. a video game. That's just not a thing that shows up uh, as as like a character trope. Um, and and so like I think on first blush for me, remember this is the first time I played through this game. I still was like very just like taken by the quick speaking, the like the the always having some some old aphorism on hand, the like the like being three steps ahead of everyone else in the same conversation, um, the the being annoyed at everything like it, it's charming to me but also i live in new york city and i love it you know what i mean so <laughs> yeah. like, um but oh and so it's, it's easy also for me to think about like to think about what the equivalent like black stereotype would be and both be charmed and also annoyed right which is like you know, my black uncles have never been in video games or like barely are, you know what I mean? Like we don't get, we don't get older black men doing the older black man shtick. Like there's a shtick, there's a shtick. Uh, not to I sound mean, did, like we, we like kind of talked about this in, um, uh, binary domain, which was right. like, yes, like yes. big bow. Like at times I found myself laughing at like, and kind of chuckling along with the sort of like the, the stereotype that they were sort of peddling. Cause sometimes it was like, it was a funny joke, like, right, like, right. but also, like, yeah. it, it, I, I, I mean, yeah. I think, big, I think, Big mm. Bo, like, is 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 like on, on one end of this, and like, Set is on on, on yes. another. But I yes. think you can see, like, Big Bo's the wrong way to do it, and like, Set is closer to the right way to do it. If there's a way to kind of do these sort of amalgamation characters, they're based on like sort of cultural stereotypes right. that, like. Set is one that like means well, whereas like Big Bo is Big one Bo, that you, I don't think meant Big well. Bo is Big, Big <laughs> yeah. Bo. Well, like I don't know the intention well, of the writer, yeah, yeah, yeah. but like Fair. like it's possible that they meant well, but that the jokes that you're laughing at like reflect more like things that you need to look at about why you're <laughs> laughing right, at them, right. which is why I found that's like a playthrough of binary to be to like to be like personally illuminating sometimes. Yeah, the, I definitely oh, go, go ahead, Danielle. No, nope. I was oh, gonna yeah. say I I definitely kind of look at it not in the same way obviously but similarly like if this was like a super gay stereotype right like mm-hmm. if set was either it had you know particular mannerisms that are associated with like it being effeminate or or if set was like a, a butch lesbian right like i guess to make it a little bit more close to home <laughs> would i would i be like oh god what the fuck really or would i be like yeah that's right like <laughs> she would be doing this that would be great um and yeah, I, I don't know. I think it really does come down to like the intention of the game. And there's also this portion of it, which is, does Set kind of do this on purpose? Does Set have this identity? Does he project this identity mm-hmm. purposefully because of the world he lives in as like his own little right. act of rebellion or revolution <laughs> or like, no, you know what? I'm going to be absolutely myself. Fuck these fucking Nazis. This is right. how I'm not I am. Toning it down. This is how I'm I not... talk. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love I it. I wonder. I don't know if I'm reading too much into it, too, but I I like thinking that set like knows exactly w- how he presents to other people and likes it and wants to be that. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a degree. I mean, that's part of the trope of of the right. this this exactly. like old Yiddish like character. Like, I don't care. This is well, me. It's also that like part of it is play. Part of it is performance. Part of it is like putting on the show for everybody in the room so that you you know what I mean like that is part yeah. of it I think that does come through I think there is a vibe of that from from set um, in any case you get you're gonna get executed you're gonna get killed by <laughs> Der Faust the giant robot <laughs> fucking yep big, th- these Nazis just should shoot people instead of having big robots is what I'm gonna say this is like uh, the equivalent of like the, the villain spelling out their plan yes. like uh, <laughs> to you as you begin to foil it it's like yo uh, look 
Big robots are cool. We get it. <laughs> we and if get we it. all if we I all had it. if we all had power, we found ourselves stuck in a fascist regime, maybe maybe to make ourselves feel better, we'd make giant robots too. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I should actually not undersell the fact that this is actually where Frau Engel gets some more screen time. Um and and does do a lot of ranting about about her superiority and and kind of sets herself up as a future villain for the franchise, right? Yes. Yeah, it's I it, it is a uh, watching her face get mangled was yeah. a satisfying experience. <laughs> and also just tossed, just yeah. ragdolled. Oh my away. god! Oh, yeah, so good. <laughs> yeah, but but again, like man, I kind of wish like these Nazis weren't so damn immortal. Uh, sometimes, like, yeah. they're not actually ubermenschen, right? Like, right. if the giant evil concentration camp robot grabs her by its claw <laughs> and flings her 60 yards across the field, <laughs> I do not think Frau Engel, no matter how animated by, like, racial hatred, I do not think she's getting back up. Or make her come like, back, like, make her come back with, like, this Jewish technology. Like, find, find like, if you're gonna find, like, some sort of, yeah. like, comic booky way for the character to survive, like this world, like Provides. multiple times, uses like weird Jewish technology suits to like mm-hmm. uh, to like at, you know to compensate for uh, physical uh, uh, disabilities, and so like I mean I get o- you get over it because she's she's such a good like villain to play off of that like oh, she's you're terrible in yeah. some ways you're, you're like you're you're thankful she's back because it's a it's a good riff for the game but right. yeah like like they really go for it with the man we beat the shit out of her with that fucking nazi robot like yeah you probably could have done a little bit yeah. more to sell me on how how she managed to to come back does that lean forward with her face all fucked up work for y'all like the blood dripping out like it's it's yeah, yeah, pretty, oh, yeah. oh my but god but also Loved she's it. so committed still at that point yep. to just like I will hunt you down and fuck you up basically um uh, yeah that's it's tremendous it's oh, it's a lot <laughs> look the I, facial textures in this in this series by the way just real good like death's head with his like mm-hmm. carved apple like desiccated scarred up face and then frau angle with her crushed uh, like blood dripping, still like with the light of mo- like pure malevolence in her eyes. Oh, these are these are great expressive uh, like facial animations and textures. Great well, work. A, yeah, it's like one of the funny things I think about this the the design work in this game is it it walks that line between cartoonish and realistic super well. Like it's not painterly. It's not like it's it doesn't have a cart. It doesn't look like a Saturday morning cartoon. Um, but it it does have this sort of like. It is not striving for photorealism either. You know, it is. It is sort of. Um, there's almost a, it's like a a sheen to it a little bit. Yeah, there's a little bit of a sheen. There's almost like a CG animated movie quality to it, yeah. where like things yeah. are kept simple. They're like simple shapes, simple colors, so that the the lights and the dark stand out very clearly, right? Uh, you know, you look at Booby's uh, face texture, and that thing is that's just one. I think it's one polygon. I'm pretty sure that's just a flat polygon that's skin colored, and that is what's just one one gone. Because uh, it's like there's no there's no additional texture work done. There's no extra there's no bump mapping on that dude's face, uh, but it like it communicates who they are so clearly. It's really good. And I, and I think that's you know, partially, you know, uh, what allows the game to make the tonal shifts, right? It's like yeah. so when when the the characters like there's a certain distance you have to a character because of the stylistic nature of how they're presented, and especially because uh, the new order, uh, like you know, like 
doesn't really delve into the ideology of like the Nazis and like their intentions and some mm-hmm. of the ramifications on society in a way that you know the, the sequel more uh, forcefully like plays with. Um, when it does take those turns, when like the camera really like pulls in on the face, like it it feels uncomfortable because of like the art choices they've made. And also because as much as like we've praised and others have praised like the the really uh, phenomenal cutscenes in the game and just kind of the way they're like just just stylistically built. Um, uh, um, th- there are moments like the actual like way they commit to the first person is often then underrated. And because it's those moments that like lots of games have characters faces get close to you, but there's something uncomfortably intimate and disturbing yeah. about the way that the Wolfenstein series does it, which I may not be able to put my finger on exactly what that is. Maybe it's partly the aesthetic. Maybe it's its commitment to first person perspective, more generally speaking. But whatever it is, like lots of games have faces that are real close to me. And Wolfenstein is one of the only ones where I find myself actually like kind of pushing away from the monitor in revulsion at times. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely the same way on this. Uh, and, and again, we'll, we'll talk more about that in in the second half of this podcast for sure. Um, so you get out and you go and you hijack the U-boat and then you you go to one of these like what, what set reveals is that Dot Yakud uh, has um, kind of vaults filled with this this magical technology this this not magical this near magical technology uh, and that that you know he's going to lead you to one of them and that inside of of that thing you're going to find something that'll help you find things that will help you uh, and so you go to this underwater place and and. Uh, you go through weird water tubes. It's a, it's a whole thing. It's a. It's, <laughs> I, I like the look of a lot of this tech. Uh, I did joke about it looking like Dwemer ruins from from yeah uh, the Elder Scrolls before, but the actual pieces of technology themselves have a cool have a cool vibe. Um, and uh, and you recover that, and then is it then time to go to the moon, or is that later? I think you. Yeah, I think it's uh, around this time because you have to get the. Oh, U-boat commander's key to go to the moon, right? right? Well, and the other thing, the, thing, the big thing that I'm forgetting at this point is that you you have to, the, the main hideout gets attacked. No. Right? Or, that, or that, no, that comes after that, you, right after you leave the moon. Okay. It's been a month since I've, since, <laughs> yeah. All right, so talk to me about the moon. First of all, you go to the moon in this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I kind of dig it. Like, it's some, it's a, it's a, Theme that actually gets played up more in the second game as well, but um, so there's like this different aesthetic that animates like a lot of the Nazi like outer space installations. Mm-hmm. It's very retrofuturist, uh, like Isaac Asimov cover, uh, mm-hmm. like art come to life in some ways. It's almost it, it maybe not almost maybe it is it is too cool to be Nazis. I think like. <laughs> You yeah. know what I mean? You know what I mean? There's there's kind of this like oh wow like they've they've really come up with some interesting interpretations of like mod rocket age architecture and design. Well done, good work, good work Nazis. You really <laughs> you really flowered some creativity uh, in, in the midst of your uh, in the midst of your hellscape. But overall, I I just kind of dig the the, um, the, the moon sequences just completely go for broke in terms of the. Uh, Moonraker, James Bond, comic book aesthetics. Uh, I I do enjoy that. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a cool aesthetic, like set dressing. I've always read that as as being the Nazis doing with science and and design what they did with what they do with culture in this series, which is like, oh yeah, the Beatles exist, they're ours, 
Yeah, the Beach Boys <laughs> exist. They're ours. Like all like yeah. the, the sort of the sort of capture of of cre- of others' creativity. Um, just the mm-hmm. Borg. They've added uh, your uniqueness to their collective. Right. Exactly. And then like watered it down and sanded off and the made good it bits. <laughs> and, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like this, this is the, like for me. Like I, this is where I fell off. I didn't finish this game. I, I watched the rest of it after after <laughs> yeah. the the after this, and then like well, this was around. That. This is around the time. Well, the, well, no, the we game talk- was the, the next game was coming out, and <laughs> yep. it's the fall, and I need to play things. Like I think, I mean, what I'll say is, I, I had always played this. All of Wolfenstein: The New The New Order had been a pain for me to play. I didn't like the combat. I didn't like the 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 the. It seemed to have aged poorly for me uh, in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways that like I think it was really striking at the time were not as as um striking for me like like again like the the camp bellica stuff um so so i was eager let's say to to like jump into the new one and give that a shot hoping that they would have addressed some of my more structural concerns i also just did i don't love the pacing in in uh new order like maybe that would have turned around once i'd gotten back from the moon um uh but but that is not what happened for me so um so yeah, that's that's why I bounced off, and then you know, time to jump onto to New Colossus for me. So I did that instead. I had a very similar uh, experience. Not that I didn't like the game, but it was just, hey, <laughs> you know, the New Colossus is out, and you got to play that. Um, and it, it was actually just before this, so I just have to I have to weigh in and say, yeah, I had a similar similar thing happen. You've played through up to here before. Or was this your first time through? This is my first time through this okay. far. I had played, you know, the first couple of hours of the game, you know, right when it came out, way, right, right, you know, right. three years ago, whatever it was, um, and and enjoyed it enough. But again, it was the same story of like, yeah, I got to play a thousand things, and uh, it's all, <laughs> and there it is. Mm-hmm. So I like the best things make you <laughs> overcome that. Right and like like no, I'm gonna play this goddamn. I don't care that there's new stuff coming out. Um, but this just didn't do it, it for me, partially too because I think once I got the gist of it, like I wrote about this recently. Like I I often reach a point with games where I'm like, all right, I get it, I get the thing that this is doing, and you know, having looked looked ahead a little bit and talked to some people, it didn't sound like there was anything else big in terms of shaking up the basic structure of what it felt like. And like at that point, what I'm interested in and what I was still interested in was the story. And so I just watched those cutscenes. Um but I am curious for, for Robert and Patrick who replayed it, like how does it sit the second time through? I mean the, the second half I think is remarkably weaker than the mm-hmm. the first half. I think that's like pretty clear. Um uh and yeah, I mean, but I still enjoyed it. But I think it, it is a game that has aged pretty quickly and ages even quicker based on the sequel. Um, right. But I, I, st- I still really enjoy it. I still stand by really liking that game. And uh, the, the moon section in particular, like, that's, that's again, how I I love that game, embracing its cartoonish, or it's like, oh, why would you, you're not going to go to the moon. It's like, ah, we're going to go to the moon. Well, actually. And like, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and it's like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> we often, you know, are derogatory to the term, well, actually, and like Wolfenstein is often like, eh, well, actually, like, we're actually <laughs> just going to go to the moon. Um, and uh, yeah, I, 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 there are some good story beats, I think, towards the end, some good character moments, like the stuff with... Um, Max Haas and, you know, his father figure mm-hmm. um, and the way that plays out, like the the moment he has um, with, I forget his 
like the father figure's Carl name. Is... Carl, Carl, I think, I think that's yeah. the case. Like the, you know, the moment the, la- the two of them have on the helicopter before mm-hmm. uh, he passes, I think, is like one of those really good character moments that is littered through, throughout that game. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I just, it, it didn't land nearly as hard the second time around because I just don't think there's as much for there to land the second time around. And I actually think it actually, it, I think the game actually gets too cartoonish towards, like, the very end. Um is it the nukes? Is it is, is it, it, it the spindly torque? Is yeah, it, yeah, it's is the, it, yeah, it's the spindly torque. It's, 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 it's yeah, it's it's the it's the way that like there's uh you know that, look I realize that Wolfenstein is a series like especially this the Machine Head Games one like it's always gonna have some sort of like well of course they found this or so of course there's you know BJ gets plucked out of a line to like get special privileges when he goes into a concentration <laughs> camp like I get it like there's contrivances but then like. The existence of like the magical Jewish technology introduces so many contrivances that in the moment, like watching a giant spindly ball like shoot out a bunch of uh, uh, like lever, you know, like spikes into a wall and tear it down. I'm like, fuck yeah, fuck those Nazis. But in the moment it passes, I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> Like, what, like, why is that spindly ball ha- like? It, the, some of it just doesn't settle as well, especially the second time. It just right. feels contrived, contrived in a way that. It's kind of like when you watch like a really shallow like superhero movie where it's like the 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 action scenes are like really exciting and fun, but then the moment you go back and watch it a second time, you're like ah like okay like there's really not as much for me to sink my teeth into right. as I wanted, and so you're looking for these character beats like the stuff with Max House um, in the second half, but I just don't think there's not nearly enough of that uh, as I wanted, and so there's a there's a couple of okay beats, but I think the second half like especially that that last third is. Is pretty weak, and especially relative to I think the pacing issues that they like largely work out in the second game. Like you can just see, you can see it stretching uh, in ways that uh, don't work as well in mm-hmm. the new order. So I, I do like I, I do largely agree. Like after the moon base, the game has basically run out of big surprises in terms of world building. Like, yep, the Nazis are on the moon, and you <laughs> fucked them up on the moon. Congratulations. <laughs> Uh, but where I think it does start to succeed is like right after the moon sequence, the game just stands on the gas and begins to accelerate. Like, Ugh. yes, it is weaker, but also it is moving things along. Like you go straight from the moon, literally into a raging gun battle in London. Like your yeah. your spaceship right. crash yes. lands. Yeah, I watched that. That looks good as hell. Yeah, you are like in the shit, like running around London rooftops, just like murdering Nazis everywhere. There's a really by the numbers boring boss fight. That kind of sucks. No sooner have you done that. And it's a big robot again. <sighs> it's I want big robots to be good in games. I want you to leave all good, all big <laughs> robot sequences by going like, damn, that was a good robot. It was not a great robot. Um you you kind of just waited for its uh, missile pause to pop open, shoot the red spot, uh, and then you ran under it and uh, fired up its butt. Why didn't the resistance? The why can't the cry, the Chrysal, Chrysal circle understand? You shoot the red spots. Shoot the red spots. I, the red spot look, on the butt. That's what you. There's a do. lot of things that. BJ seems to understand, <laughs> and like, like, like Blaskovich's superpowers. He's like, what if we just kill the Nazis? And everyone's like, holy shit! This motherfucker's like, gonna kill the Nazis. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like in Hitman where you put on a disguise and your handler is like, ah, a disguise. I haven't seen anyone ever try this before. And like, you're an assassin handler. How has no other assassin ever tried to put on a disguise before? It's it's you know he can see the weak points. That's what he can do. 
I loved so right after you destroy the robot, you get word that um that the safe house is under attack. And again, like Wolfenstein as a series just elides a whole bunch of shit. Carl is there in London with you, and it's like, holy shit, the safe house is under attack. <laughs> you get in a car and drive to the safe house in Berlin while the attack is still going on. From London. Like, it's, it's, like, it's a future car. It's either Autobahn's fucking rule. It's either... Yeah. <laughs> It's either a Nazi uh, super supercar or a super highway, or it's a it's Both. a Dahlia yeah. Hood uh, supercar. We don't know. Maybe there was a there was a tie-in novel about how Carl got the good car. Uh, <laughs> Carl is a called, good car. That's yeah, the name yes. of it. Uh huh. Yeah. You got it. Uh, so, but but it in terms of pacing though, it does move from like huge set piece battle to a sequence I think really works because the safe house has been established as cozy and human mm-hmm. and individual and personal, and it has been violated. Like you go back and it's been taken over, but at the same time you intimately know it's layout because you've gone through it several times and you've looked for there. wrenches and other hidden shit yeah. in these downtime moments. Yeah. Right. And so like the Nazis think they control this place, but they're in your house and you fuck them up right and left. Um, and along the way there, we get the final scene with Jay, uh, which I restart. With, with Tekla. Who I mm. do not even remember. I'm, uh-huh. <laughs> like, I played that game with Tekla the first time and made zero impression. Uh-huh. I understand now. Maybe maybe Wyatt's the canon one. <laughs> uh, like, maybe it was Wyatt all along. Let's talk, about, um, let's talk about Wyatt and talk about Fergus and talk about Jay and Tekla really quick. Because this is definitely, this is the sequence with, well... There are two sequences with Jay that that I've looked at that made me go, man, I should have saved Wyatt. But (laughs) I did. Uh, I I was shamed into it, and I went back and I I, I played with Jay. I think it's a great performance, uh, first of all. Like, it is, at least to me, it is a character that does read, like, Jay doesn't just read as like, oh, it's it's secretly Jimi Hendrix. (laughs) But like he he reads as an African American, but not a collection of stereotypes. Mm-hmm. He's individualized, and he's also sitting on a lot of like conflicted feelings and thoughts that he's not going to bring up at first until the moment arrives. Right, and then he fucking unloads on on BJ, which is basically like Blaskowitz is going through this like man, everything was great, and then the Nazis came and fucked everything up. Yeah, and Jay comes back with. Well, that's bullshit. Right. Like back in the United States, we already had fascists. We already had Nazis. We already had like, you know, racial supremacists. And you didn't do shit. Right. And I think that is an important scene that does a lot of groundwork laying for the direction of the new Colossus, actually. Yeah, watching that scene made me bummed that it was optional. That it was like a side yeah. thing that you only get if you picked Wyatt. Um, because the stuff with Tekla is just not as interesting um, in terms of character work and in terms of like, Tekla is fine. I'm she's a, she's a genius who, who speaks fast and I think is being represented as being on the spectrum on, on the autism spectrum. Um, but like they don't do, there's not much done there with that cat, with her as a character that like, I think there's like uh, her, her final scene is, is like sad because they do death really well in this game in general. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't do that sort of like poking and prodding at who BJ is that 
the series like seemed to like be learning that it could do, you know, like throughout the new order, it feels like they keep it in these moments where he, he slips into na- into like internal narration, internal monologue. And they realize like, Oh shit, the most interesting thing about this game isn't just that BJ like is good at killing Nazis. It's that he also has a mind of his own and concerns and love and all this other stuff going on. Um, and Jay hits that super hard in a way that I don't think Tekla really does. Yeah. BJ his entire voice in both games is as a man like in the borderland between life and death. Right. And like is feeling that pull to just for this to be over. Mm -hmm. Right. Like shit, like is surviving probably should not have is accepting of his own, of his own death. There's a beat I love with Jay. There's, there's, there's two things. Um, He really wants somebody to share his passion with guitar with. Uh-huh. <laughs> and there's a moment he convinces BJ to like <laughs> sit down and play something. And what, and what Blaskovitz plays is he plays Buffalo Cows. Won't you come out tonight? And it's just very, it's very simple and very slow. And it's not, it's not Jay's kind of music. He's not at Jay's caliber, but Jay's really cool about it. Like uh-huh. he's a virtuoso, but he just loves sharing this passion. He admires anyone who, can share at least in some small part, like his love of this instrument and this music. Yeah. Um, and the way he goes out where he basically tells Blaskovitz, like I'm tired of running and if I'm going to go out, it's going to be loud. And then he does the iconic electric guitar national anthem. <laughs> uh, and it is so loud that like the streets of Berlin above the surface are like ringing with this rendition Nazis hear it burst in and gun him down. It's a, it's it's a beautiful finale for that character, but it's 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 really well executed. Yeah, it's cool. It's a cool scene. It's yeah. it's it made me wish maybe I'd gone Wyatt. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm back and forth. How was the rest of Wyatt in this game? Uh, pretty much like interchangeable at that point. Like it's a little bit easier when you get to the finale and you discover that um. Death's head saved whoever you didn't whoever whoever you let die in the beginning. He saved their brain in a jar, Uh-oh. and he's lo- he loads it into a death robot. Another robot. Another robot. Uh, <laughs> and now it's your friend imprisoned in this uh, in this robot trying to kill you, begging for death. With Wyatt, it's it's sad. It's 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 a it's a really depressing thing. Fergus makes you feel really okay about yeah. like, putting that robot down. He's like Blazkowicz, Blasco, this sucks. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, it does suck. He's like, kill me, Blasco, and I'm like, awesome. I'm glad we're on the same page. Uh, and, and you just get it done. Um, I think, yeah, the rest of the game unfolds in an escalating series of set pieces. The final showdown with uh, Death's Head is good. Murdering the shit out of Booby in front of. Uh, Oh yeah, that was very oh, cool. her, their her face timing. <laughs> yeah, her, her reaction specifically is is like deeply because she she seems like actually hurt as opposed to like right. like you, you know the 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 stereotypical way a villain would respond to that is like well haha I I have another sexy boy over here <laughs> and, <I'm> like, <laughs> and uh, she actually seems like genuinely hurt and in. Uh, you know, I don't know how far that goes to like humanizing that character necessarily, but it does go to show that like there are things these people care about that go beyond just uh, you know, maniacal you know, world destruction. Like there are people that 
mean something to them and and you took that from them and like in a game where you don't get many actual moments to feel like victory like killing him doesn't save the world from fascism but like it feels satisfying in a in a very tiny way that you made a very tiny tangible mm-hmm. contribution to the misery of a person who has inflicted that on so many others totally the um i guess the the other question here though is uh or, or for me ends up being how we uh I've totally lost it. I told I had a thing and then I lost <laughs> it. I looked at a, I looked at my screen. Right, well, and it's I gone. got something. It's all right. Go for it, all please. Right. So, once again, the game ends with another immortal fucking Nazi having one last trick up his sleeve. Uh huh. Um, you have the big like, oh yeah, Death's Head comes out in a big robot. Oh yeah, that's uh, right. So he's chasing you around. God. It's robot uh, after robot. You got a robot powered by whoever you chose to have die, and then a bigger robot powered by the, the supervillain. Right. Yeah, it's it's Nazi Scott Pilgrim, uh, basically, <laughs> in this in this thing. Anyway, so you go and you... If you, it, dated, it is if you have seven Nazi ex-boyfriends, you <laughs> fucked up. Yep, you did something wrong. <laughs> well, they had robots. Hate to bring Austin. it to you, Tommy. Uh, anyway, um, so you you kill his robot, and then you go to finish him off, and he's got a hand grenade. Uh-huh. And he's like, ah, I'm still alive, and I'm going to steal your victory, BJ like Blaskovich. Spy versus spy about it, too. Or it's like, <laughs> yeah. I got this grenade. <laughs> Both of you look into the camera, you know. And <laughs> uh, but God. The, the, but as silly as that is, the game ends with the nuke is about to fall on Death's, Head com- Death's Head's compound. Blaskovich is telling everyone, like, fire the nuke. Like, he's not going to make it out. He's been blown up by a fucking grenade. Uh-huh. Uh, he's holding his guts in with his hands. And the evacuees are about to leave. You see Anya. As he begins to recite the new Colossus poem. Right. Uh, right. Anya is standing there with the light, waving refugees to freedom. And then the bomb falls. The game ends. Right. And I think, and I like the second game. But I did kind of love that the new order... Seemed to end with BJ's death. Yeah. Um, and it seemed like it had been an earned moment and actually had a good ending song, uh, which maybe we'll talk to talk about in a few minutes. But like, sure, the, will. The, the end of mm. the new order, I think, has a decent, like, elegiac song. It's the, the refrain is like, I believe in a beautiful day, but not for me and not for you, which is kind of the game's themes. Um, yeah. So I, I think, like, the ending with BJ sacrificing himself and the resistance carrying on without him. And they don't get their happy ending. They don't get to escape together and live happily ever after. I think is a very effective finale to this game and, mm-hmm. and sort of helped it hit a higher level than maybe it otherwise would have. And then the new Colossus kind of hits reset on that in a way that I'm not entirely in love with. But like, you know, the show has to go on. Uh, but but I did love this this final note of the new order. I definitely would not have minded the new Colossus as... As the Anya game, yeah, you, you know, um, mm. but yeah. like that, like oh yeah, she is the new Colossus who is she is the Statue of Liberty who is taking BJ's death and and you know moving forward to be the hero that that the world needs or whatever that would have been dope. He was um, fridged for her that kind of idea, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, but but you know, I I, uh, I yeah, I, I'm with you, Rob. I think that, like the the BJ's death thing here would have would have stuck would have been a really good a really good ending. But also, New Colossus is super good, so I can't really <laughs> complain. 
Um, and it fits the sort of comic book contrivance that we've, you know, is ever present throughout right. both of these games. Is I, that of, of course, like, of course, BJ, um, you know, is going to come back. I actually remember the thing I was going to say before, which is let's let's. I just want to dig a little deeper on robots, which is like oh, why God. robots? Um, they're in in fiction like this, in games especially, but but even in things like Star Wars, like in the prequel trilogy, robots are used because like you can kill robots and not feel bad. This is not a game that gives a fuck if you feel bad about killing things, though, right? So this is this, these robots aren't there so you can kill them G.I. Joe style without having to kill a real person um, or Ninja Turtle style, I guess, really. The Foot Clan, right, is all, is all robots in the cartoon so that the, the turtles aren't just killing dozens and dozens of people. <laughs> um, that's not the purpose of robots here. Uh, robots are often used to escalate something where it's like, okay, you've been fighting regular people, but now there's a robot, but there are like 17 goddamn robots in this game. And a lot of the people are part robot. So that's not even it. So like, what is the, what is the, do you, do you all think I have my own ideas, but like, I'm curious what everyone else thinks. Like, what is the, the semiotic, what is the meaning behind these, these robots being fucking everywhere? Well, I think I, that's had actually like, like plays the car he like reveals his like belief he, he uses the word obedience as like mm-hmm. that when he uh you know unveils the human uh machine hybrid you know what he praises about the machine is the obedience and maybe that's more specific to death's head than like nazi ideology overall but um you know like his a bit like control like and maybe that, that is that is central to like the idea of like the nazi ideology yeah. like, is control is its subservience it's it's rigid um, adherence to a specific set of beliefs that are convenient for the person in power. Yeah. And and so uh, there's like an intelligence to humans that at least even in Wolfenstein, they have not quite mastered in terms of like AI and things like that for uh, deploying that in technology um, in that universe. But um, the obedience of the machine like fits much more cleanly with what um, – you know, Death's Head and, and, and the Nazis are after, which is like something that is built in their image. And what's easier to do that than to actually literally build it in your image rather than picking and plucking and uh, 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 genociding your way to that in humanity. It's like, what if you could just speed up the process and make it yourself? Right. And that, that's, that seems to be like, I don't know if they necessarily hit that theme, like, uh, in like the design of the of, of the machines and like the other things you encounter throughout the game because they're much more like animal based like in terms of like the the actual um, like creatures they right, design right. or the machines they Wolf design robots but, and and e- vaguely dinosaur robots or whatever <laughs> right yeah. right yeah. it's like much more <laughs> rise zero, zero dawn, dawn. yeah uh, to bring a full circle <laughs> but um, I do think that is like at the heart of like ultimately why they build the machines is because it's the it's the most efficient means of control. Yeah, I really like that, uh, definitely, as a read. I also sort of see it as very, very much that in the Ubermensch uh, way of thinking, like the biggest, the strongest, like a, like a very like hyper-masculine, like ridiculously over-the-top uh, sort of presentation of this is what strength is. It's the biggest, most powerful, most killingest thing that we can make. <laughs> like it's a very, very, very like, Speaking maybe towards some insecurities <laughs> that I think goes along with a lot of the the thinking of, of fascists. I also think that that ties in neatly to 
there is sort of a profane mockery of the human and the flesh and blood in a way that juxtaposes really well with sort of the Jewish reference for the reverence for like the material and, and the physical and the body mm-hmm. uh, that works well in the setting that the, the Nazis are making these, you know, monsters that awkwardly like copy the form of the human or the, or yeah, as you're saying, Danielle, like the imagined like power and potency of like the Nazi, like masculine ideal. But the result are these like hulking graceless, uh, like mixtures of, uh, you know, flesh and steel, uh, that become the purest expression and highest ideal of, of this regime. Yeah, that's definitely that was like the, the close. Like I, I think all of these have been really good, good answers. I'm, I'm way into all of them. I definitely felt that specific thing, right? Which is, which is, there is something because they are so grotesque in design. They're like they're bad. They're ugly designs. <laughs> they're not. They're not. What I mean, they're not pleasing to look at. I don't even mean they're not pleasing to look at in the sense of like they're offensive. I mean like visually, they're poorly designed. They don't communicate strength well. They communicate. Like they're they're messy. They they're like Michael Bay Transformers, right? Like they are. <laughs> yeah. There are pipes and there are exposed organs and there are like metal overhangs on top of other pieces of metal that don't line up well. Um, and there's something to me that's just like very. I I like how naked they are um, compared to like the Nazi uniform, right? And it feels like they forgot how to do the uniform, if that makes sense, right? Like they they. These are not crisp. These are not um, like well ironed uh, machines, if that makes sense. Um, They don't have. They don't have. They don't present like all they present is strength, and and they don't even try to hide it anymore. And so maybe that's the other reading. It's like there was a time when the Nazis dressed themselves up and made them look like they were made themselves look like we are what civilization looks like. But when it's time to make a killer wolf robot, you just need jaws. You know, you just need the biggest fucking jaws you can put on that thing. And, and they do that and they don't care about making it look like, you know, the wolves that would be on there on a, on a, an on armband or on a flag or, you know, in, in iconography, they're not iconography. They're just killing machines. Um, and I really actually like that about the designs, even though I think they overuse them in, in, uh, the, the new order. Uh, let's hit some questions before we move on to new Colossus. Cause there are a couple that I want to have answered. Cause I, I didn't see enough of this stuff. And the big one was the one I almost asked last time. And y'all were like, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. So <laughs> this one comes in from Nick who says two of the major strengths of Wolfenstein are the stellar voice acting and the occasional confronting dialogue we uh, we as players are privy to. In particular, I'm curious about your reactions and impressions to the of the audio logs from Ramona's diary read by the player read to the player by Anya. The the entries provide a window into the very private and oftentimes brutal war that Anya's cousin Ramona is waging against Nazi occupation. The entries describe in casual prose Ramona's growing experience in the science of murdering Nazis. Ultimately, Anya reveals spoiler that Ramona never existed. Rather, that the diary entries were written by Anya herself. The clinical brutality of these entries initially appear to be at odds with the depiction of Anya as a confident yet relatively innocent character in BJ's journey. However, I felt they also provided greater context for the actions she takes throughout the game and reinforces the growing relationship and trust between her and BJ. I'm interested in your own reactions to learning more about Anya's past. Does it compromise her character or make it all the stronger? Does her violent history detract from the final depiction of, uh, of Anya as a beacon of hope slash liberty in the dark timeline? Thoughts? Um, 
I don't know that the beacon of, of, of liberty works without knowing that she knows how to kill a Nazi. <laughs> yeah. I mean that seriously in terms of, in terms of this, this game's own coherent message about what resistance looks like. Um, like, I think it's important to know that Anya has learned how to fight and, like, is just as capable a, a, a soldier as anyone else in the resistance. Because if she's going to be the, the beacon of hope that she presents herself as at the very end of this game, like, that's, an, that's a necessary thing because you're, you're what, the, what the opposition is, you know? Yes. Um, yeah, I, I think it would be really it would be a terrible trope but also just wouldn't fit this world if there were this idea that like our 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 beacon of hope can't be, can't be tainted by all this violence right. like people <laughs> right. build the new world uh you know have to be pure and good like no the only way like you know the only way out is through like uh, like anya in these diaries sees things begin to change very quickly and just commonplace, like, daily horrors begin occurring. And she feels the moral urgency of the moment. And because the war is already lost, and there are no more, <laughs> there are no more front lines, there are no more, there are no more soldiers fighting the Nazis, um, she leverages... She leverages both the fact that she blends into the community and the fact she's an attractive young woman. Uh, to aid her in slaughtering Nazis and like up to and including the point of like uh, she's made pregnant uh, by someone that she lures off to his death. Um, and I think it really drives home like the, the way this is she is revealing this to you is like she doesn't know how you're going to react to it. And that's why she she others it at first. Mm-hmm. Right. She's like, well, here, let me tell you about. Ramona and it's actually her way of introducing herself to you and how is how is Blaskovitz going to react to these revelations um and I think it is sort of both a touching portrait of like the conflicted way someone would feel about the desperate actions they've had to undertake to survive and resist uh but also paints a better portrait of Anya as she's not just someone you saved she is somebody who was in hiding, who was who was forced to yeah, hide the the urgency she felt, uh, and and is now once again able to express the fact that like she is resisting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Um, again, I I have haven't played this portion, so this was just through cutscenes that I sort of saw everything in and and reading things and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I just, I really do like that the game kind of subverts the, not that she was ever, you know, presented as as being the damsel in distress by any means, but she, you know, she's a nurse, uh, at least at the beginning. Yeah. She, she's seen in a lot of sort of, the dressing itself looks a little bit stereotypical at first. Right. And I really like that there's this reveal here that like, no, she, she is tough as hell and she has used every weapon in her arsenal and that doesn't make her a cold or unfeeling person. She's still like a loving and full mm-hmm. human being, you know, obviously. But she's she's capable of violence. She's capable of deceit. She's capable of all the things she needs to be capable of to be a competent soldier in this fight. And I really did appreciate that quite a bit. Totally. 
Um, yeah, yeah, I think you're you're totally right to suggest that like her first appearances on screen are so are so quote unquote like pure and angelic, right? Like she's this angel literally who with is, the light. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah, she has a halo, right? Like, she has an aura <laughs> around her, like guiding guiding BJ through his his recovery. Um, she's all he has, and then like no, actually, like yes, that, that's true, and also she fucking kills some fucking Nazis. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think that stuff was good. I, I wish I like that stuff made me if I if I had played this game years ago and found those things, I bet I would have been like, oh, I, if you play, make sure you get all the Ramona Diaries entries. <laughs> like, look up, look up, make sure you get them all. You know. Yeah. Um, all right. This one comes in from Corey, uh, who says, "I can't be the first to chime in about the greatest head fake of all time." Uh, uh, that is choosing Wyatt and getting Jay. <laughs> but oh. hopefully, I'll be one of the more entertaining. Getting to fight alongside Jimi Hendrix, who actually served in the 101, uh, the, the 101st Airborne Division in 1961, so his inclusion is actually more than just a bit of fun, rules. But there are two scenes that really hit hard for me in very different ways. The first is when Jay and BJ have very real talk about race in America. Jay talks about Jim Crow laws, segregation, asks what he has to fight for, how his father is conscripted to fight a white man's war, and finally flat out says, before Germany, before the war, back home, you were the Nazis. Don't get me wrong, it's not exactly subtle, but very little in the game is, much like the hashtag train sex scene. <laughs> it's not the best <laughs> I've ever seen, but it's pretty great for video games. The second is when Blaskovitz uh, and he have met, eventually make amends, and this leads to a scene that let, let, uh, that let me know that no one saved Wyatt, because that E3 trailer is not the first time that someone dropped acid in Wolfenstein. Jay gives BJ a dose and then treads on his guitar while Blazkowicz uh, trips and realizes he's, quote, standing before God, which also nicely ties into how bad Nazi art is. He's been surrounded by it for so long that an explosion of real creativity and passion blows his mind. Sorry for the long email. I tried to edit and it just didn't take. Yeah, I think that that, that, uh, that acid guitar scene is really fucking good. Um, and, and, but it's also different than some of the drug trip stuff that's in, uh, New Colossus, which we'll, I guess we'll talk about a little bit, um, once we get to that side. Any other J thoughts before we move on? Okay, no more J thoughts. He's uh, just great. I mean, that's all. <laughs> he seems right. yeah. I, I, need, I need to go back. I should, at some you should watch, go back and watch those cuts. Yeah, there's like uh, six minutes of them. It's worth doing, yeah. you know? Um, there's two more that I want to read, and and then we can move on to the to the new game. But uh, I want to read them because it's it's two different Jewish people wrote in about the the dot yehud, uh, and I wanted to like get the those perspectives in here. Uh, so this one comes in from Daniel, who says. Hey, I just wanted to chime in as a Jewish person who has played and enjoyed Wolfenstein 1 regarding the observation uh, that having ancient Jewish science wizardry appropriated by the Nazis might be seen as validating a supremacist narrative wherein Jews were hiding or hoarding this technology and the Nazis were right in ascribing them with some secretive conspiracy aimed at the eventual oppression, domination, and destruction of other races. Aside from the obvious points that the Dat Yehud uh, were... Um, particular mystic sect not representing of Jew of, of like Jewishness, for instance. Um, th I think this problem is averted by the game thanks to a conversation which admittedly a player can miss between Caroline, the resistance leader, and Set Roth, a member of the Datya Hood, uh, the aforementioned secret society. Caroline asks Roth point blank why he and his group didn't use this amazing technology to aid in the war effort, to which Set replies that none of these creations were ever meant to actually be used. The Dat Yehud uh, have constructed their works in an attempt to understand the nature of God, with each of their vaults corresponding with a particular theme or subject they wish to understand. They were not engineers or scientists working on Manhattan projects in case of war. They were theologians and philosophers composing theses and treaties, uh, treat, uh, sorry, and 
theses and treatises on the concept of divinity. Any attempt to apply praxis or utilization of these works in the mundane world would be abhorrent to them. And though said eventually relents and allows the resistance entrent, uh, entrance th- and allows the resistance entrance to a vault, he makes it absolutely clear to Caroline that there was never any intention by the Dotyhood to deploy what they have created in their own accord or to use them to provide Jews with any material advantage. They were le- they were left like works of art in a gallery to be looked at and pondered and utilized as aesthetic and functional points of debate in theological disputes. That the Nazis of Wolfenstein took these and applied them to monstrous monolithic projects is not merely appropriative. Uh, in the eyes of the Dachnihud, uh, it is outright profane, a debasement of labor and love from a people to their god. I think the game could have driven this point a bit, uh, a bit more, uh, but it certainly doesn't leave it as ambiguous or ambivalent in interpretation. Keep up the good work, Daniel. Um, and this is also, uh, Yehud is pronounced with a hard CH, similar to the letter J in the name Javier, just in case this comes up in, in discussion. Hebrew, <laughs> Hebrew is a hard language, y'all. So that's, that is, that was Daniel. And then I was reading it back to back. This is Gavin who says, hello, as a Jew, I appreciated that Wolfenstein did not erase the Holocaust, but I found secret magic Jew technology offensive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We have a deep canon of mysticism and Bethesda used none of it. How would you have liked the game uh, if the robots had faces and to destroy them, you had to pull the, the secret name of God from their mouth? Or if you encountered Nazis uh, wearing Teflon and Talit praying in Aramaic to predict the future? Or if Death's Head had certain parts of the Sephiroth tattooed onto the super soldiers to make them an aspect of, of infinity and therefore indestructible? If Jews had this technology, why didn't they take over the world themselves? Why didn't they stop the Nazis? Why didn't they use electricity, nuclear energy, etc. to make the world a better place? Sephiroth's Seth answer to, to those questions felt contrived to manipulate the story into what it was thanks gavin uh you know that uh, these, these he, are... yeah, he does uh he does address it once right like so when you enter the the secret uh, uh underwater uh vault like there is a a, a a line where set is is asked i don't know if it's prompted or if, if he he's just on one of his like many rants where he <laughs> drops a lot of shit on you uh-huh. but uh he he talks about like why didn't you know, at the point that the Nazis appropriated the technology, why didn't they realize, oh, shit, like, okay, even though this is, you know, anathema to everything they believed in, why they made these things, like, okay, like, cat's out of the bag, like, we got to fucking hand this over to, you know, the allies and try and uh, take care of this. And it it sounds like that their own, you know, stubborn uh, approach to it, like, bit them in the ass because they, like, says, like, once they dropped the atom bomb, it was too late. Like, they had tried to hand over the technology, but the moment the atom bomb dropped, and we see a lot more of this, yeah. again, in the second game, mm. which explains, like, why the alliance crumbled, like, why things uh, changed so quickly after the atom bomb uh, dropped in America, and that essentially signaled the end of the resistance to uh, the, the Nazi threat. Um, but I, I think I think I get to totally see both sides of, of where they're coming from. I think the first reading is giving maybe a little too much uh, – uh, <laughs> uh, is, is giving a little too much leeway to, to Wolfenstein and what it, what it actually does versus what I think you would want it to do. Yeah. Um, but I can totally appreciate that, that reading of it because that's the reading of it I also want to take. I just don't think the game goes far enough in providing justification for it. And I can also see the, the second reading being like, yeah, it doesn't go it, – it, it like a lot of things in especially the New Order seem contrived in a way that – contrivances are fine to an extent, but when the contrivances come because you just didn't put in the effort to come up with a better answer, I think that's when they feel unsatisfying. Like, like given the, 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 the wild, colorful, hyperbolic world that 
the Wolfenstein modern games sit in. Like you can, you're willing to let the game go pretty far, but then when there are just sort of like logical leaps that happen that could have been bridged, but that just wasn't an effort was made. I think that's where the second criticism comes in. And I think they're, I think they're totally right. Um, on that regard. Yeah, I definitely, for, for me, I, I, you know, on paper, I think that there's this, the notion of like, we are a religious sect that builds super technology to, to commune with God and debate philosophical and theological problems is so entirely my shit uh, <laughs> that I want a whole game about it, right? Like I want an indie game that is just that, that is just like that world, bef- <laughs> no war, just, just, you know, inventing things and debating, debating around them. Um, but I, I also then, you know, what I really need here is a little bit more of what that looks like. Like, it's not enough to make a, a cool faction on a page and, like, and in a few exchanges. Um, e- even into the second game, they don't do enough to work out who the Dottie Hood are and, like, how... Just find, like, a video. Like, they, oh, shit, like, I found this VHS tape that shows us them <laughs> they debating. In, they yes. invented like, Betamax like, like, <laughs> hundred, hundreds like, of years ago. L.A. Noir style, where there's, like, a newsreel of, like, a private conversation for some reason, (laughs) but uh, I I think the other other reason that, like, Seth's explanation of what Dot Yehud were all about doesn't really work is because literally the second thought anyone who's involved in, like, science and creation has is, what if somebody wanted to use this for dark purposes? Right, right. Like literally, that's like they're like. So say you, so. So you've designed a spindly torque. Yeah. What, <laughs> what is that good for? And the moment you have to question, like, well, okay, what if somebody got hold of this? Then you have the moral question of like, should we be continuing down this path? Right. The fact that like they never seem to have this conversation or seem very comfortable with the. Eh, it's just to create to create. Let's just load these vaults full of. Full of like super weapons, uh, and then throw away the key. That's fine. That's not going to come back on us at all. <laughs> uh, or or I, even if like they complicate it in some way, right? Like, what if you? What if like it was revealed that um, the vaults that you know sets finding, uh, or what if like he went to a vault and it turns out it was destroyed? Like there were there were there were like you know rogue parts of like this ideology that actually said like fuck it, we shouldn't be making these things. Like we can make them, but then they have to be destroyed. Mm. The discovery of knowledge is fine, but like right. just like leaving these sh- shit sitting around in a vault for someone to just come across um is irresponsible. Like I think that's sh- you know this is helping us transition into to the second game, but like that's probably one of my biggest disappointments is is just like I I desperately wanted more information about like this whole world. Yeah. And if they had shaded that, there were ways where they could have shaded it in gray and, and given different perspectives on how, cause it makes them look stupid. Like it makes him, like right. it makes them look like they didn't think through these we're things. We're geniuses who and could have never, who could have never imagined someone else took our, our fucking spindly torque. Do they ever? Like, and even if they ha- have someone say that, just have someone say that. So you can at least like put it on them and say like, they, they talked about this. They settled on this really bad answer, <laughs> but as opposed to just like set, just saying like, right. ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Like that's, uh, that's just what happens. Right. Do they ever you know establish bureaucracy. that? How yeah. secret, how, how well, hidden things were and, and whether or not that's why they thought they were fine because only 10 people in the world knew about it or whatever, whatever the, well, the number there, is. There are, these vaults are literally worldwide. So we know it's more than 10, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. um, and it's, and it's been there for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. I don't remember the exact, I don't remember the exact like it's length been a of while. time, yeah. but it goes back. It goes yeah. back. Okay. It goes back. 
Um, and and uh, yeah, it's it's weird. Like, and, and for me, the the question, um, the question that uh, the person whose name I've already erased from this, Gavin, brings up, which is. Um, why didn't they use electricity, nuclear energy, et cetera, to make the world a better place is the one that like sticks in my, in my gut a little bit because I get the, like, we're going to build a thing, but we're not going to use it cause it's bad. We're going to build a, we're going to build a nuclear bomb to like, to, to work out what a nuclear bomb is and what the divine is. I'm weirdly on board narratively with a group that does that and <laughs> thinks that they're doing good, right? Like we're going to build the, the spindly torque. We're going to build this suit that, that, you know, um, let's, let's people who have, who have, you know, degenerative diseases or broken bones, like get up and walk around. Like I get that because like, I can imagine the conversation around it. I can imagine the, the questions about, about what a body is and about what a person is and blah, 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 blah. Um, I get it, but it's hard for me to get to the like, oh yeah, they knew how to make infinite energy, uh, <laughs> but they never gave a drop of that to people who were desperate and in need uh, without walking away feeling like this group is still being positioned as being cold and heartless. Um, yeah. Whether or not that's intent, like maybe not even being positioned, not frame, they're not being framed as that. They're being framed as like detached a little bit because they're super scientists in a cell, uh, you know, in all it, these But different- it is like... But it is like pogrom thinking, right? right. It's like yeah. these people are, are keeping something from us. We yes. must we must wrest it from them. Right. And if the game's literal truth is, well, actually, uh, we did have the secrets of all human knowledge in the back. Right. Uh, then then you've got a problem. I do wonder though. Like, was it smart for this game to veer away from getting too literal about a lot of the stuff? Like, mm. I'm thinking about like it's a powerful image. Uh, the Nazi weaponry being more explicitly like stolen Jewish artifacts. Uh, it's a powerful image to like come across, uh, you know, a bunch of, uh, you know, Nazis like reading from the Torah or something to like, you know, animate one of their machines. But is that also playing with imagery that's way too fucking loaded for a game to be screwing around with about Nazis, about, about the Jewish Holocaust? Like, I can I can see it working really really well. I can also see being yeah fucking terrified You'd of tackling that, mark. that. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's a it's a question of whether or not you stick the landing on that, right? Like it's we've had golems in in you know uh, pop culture that are explicitly Jewish golems uh, in comics and in and in you know fiction in general. The question of like whether or not you can stick the landing on that in a game like Wolfenstein. I don't know. And, and so, you know, um, I get what you're saying to some degree, which is like, eh, let's, let's go this other route and invent our own stuff so that we don't fuck up what some, what is part of a real folkloric history and a, and a real, you know, uh, culture. Um, I, I definitely get that impulse. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think that I think it's an intro. I think this is they've they are members of the Dotya Hood. They've built us a uh, an invention worth pondering to to unlock life's mysteries. And the thing is, Wolfenstein, the New <laughs> Order, and its use of, of Jewish ancient Jewish magical technology. So, so good good on you, Machine Head Games. You did it. They draw um, a map back to back to themselves. Like, let's see if anyone gets it. Yeah, exactly. Did you yeah. just make because that guy's name was Gavin? Did you just make a Bush reference? No. I, you called the, the Machine the Head company, Games, which never mind. That's the name of the I'm company. I'm such a '90s kid. I think it's just Machine Games. 
Is it just machine well, games? You're, you're, yeah, okay, then I did games. that on purpose. I and I did that. That's a I was good like, joke. the guy's name was Gavin. I thought there was. A... Never mind. Never mind. No, is there Gavin involved with the band Bush? <laughs> I think it was I Gavin don't... Rossdale who just wrote in. That's what happened. Is that's what it was. What, that was you Gavin are Rossdale, and I just made I that jump. I thought you were making a. I thought there was like another Bush brother where I was like, Gavin in, Bush. In, in 2020, it's gonna be Gavin running for president. Yeah. Oh, oh God. God, the secret, the secret Bush brother. There it is. Maybe Gavin the Bush, Bush nephew. I don't know. Uh, all right, let's take a break and we'll come back and talk about. Unless does anyone have any closing thoughts on on New Order? All right, let's. It doesn't sound like it. <laughs> Now let's move on. All right, let's take a break. We'll be back to talk about New Colossus and probably also reach back and still talk a little bit about New Order. But but from this point forward, we're going to take a break and we're going to come back and is spoiler central for for New Colossus. So if you haven't played that yet, uh, go ahead and hit stop now and and catch up with us once you get a chance to. It's it's worth just like put it on like really slow. Put it on like like a really slow X, like on an overcast, and just listen to it really slowly while while you're playing the game. (laughs) That's all. All right, we will be right back. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Welcome back to more Wolfenstein. We're talking about it. It's real. It exists. Wolfenstein is out. BJ Blazkowicz, Terror Billy is real. Let me, let me make one thing clear to y'all. Terror Billy, he's real. Uh, and he's here to save the day along with his pals in their submarine. We're going to talk about the new Colossus. You've hosted a podcast before, right? Yeah, like, like seven a week is what I do these days. Uh, I liked yeah. it. I, Thank you. you. Know, Thank I liked you, it quite a bit. I just want people to know the truth, uh, which is about killing Nazis and how one man knows how to do it better than anybody else, even when his legs don't work anymore because of a, of a grenade. Yes, sure. it was the grenade, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, and his guts fell out. His guts fell out. The new Colossus came out uh, about a month ago now, and uh, we are all at various points through it. I think Patrick and I have totally wrapped it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rob, I think you're in the final... Moments? Yeah, but I watched the I watched the last twenty minutes. Okay, like, you basically run around a thing, murder people, and then there's a cutscene, right? And there's a well, yeah, it's, a, it's an interactive thing, but yeah. yeah. And then Danielle, you're like three fourths of the way through. Yeah, so I'm gonna... in New Orleans. I'm okay. lost in New Orleans right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's some some the maps are big in this game. Yeah. Uh, there's there's some there's definitely a feeling of like. Uh, ex- not exploration. Oh, there's some of the maps have like a feeling of exploration, but there's definitely a little bit more like. Um, trying to figure out which path you want to take through a space. There's definitely a big part of this game I just haven't seen because I took alternate paths and stuff like that. Uh, don't get me wrong, it is not Dishonored. <laughs> this is not... I don't think Wolfenstein the New Colossus is an immersive sim no, by the Brooklyn not, but definition. But I did play them at no, the same but, time, which was interesting. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. 
it does. It is interesting though because it does sort of feel like it exists within the same like game development community as like say Dishonored or right. Like I mean, yes. Like the way certain things are lit, the way like just mm-hmm. in terms of there there being some aesthetic elements, right? Which uh, is weird because I don't think that's how machine games. Right. I don't think that's how any of Bethesda's stuff works. But like this game does feel equidistant between Dishonored and Fallout. With, like, a little bit of prey thrown in yeah. when you go to, like, space stations, for instance. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so it's not an immersive sim, but, you know, I got lost in a shooter level uh, the other <laughs> day, and that hasn't happened to me in quite some time. And I was kind of like, this is really cool. When's the last time I got lost in a shooter level? And then about five minutes later, I was like, okay, but really, where the fuck is that bank? Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's exactly where I am. That I am literally looking for the bank right now. <laughs> I believe yeah. it. So how do we want to tackle this? Do we want to walk through it? Do we want to hit big points? Let's walk through it. Yeah, I think at least for the beginning, it's worth walking through. Yeah, probably, yeah, probably, yeah probably less detailed than we did the the, yeah. the new order, just because it'll it'll just take us too long. But it's at least going sequentially is probably the the way to go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I have an hour and five minutes before I have to be on a different call. So okay. that is right. that is we have giving a hard us an, out. Okay, we have a hard out. We have a hard out. Really, we our hard out should be should be one forty so that I can actually get on this call and go play some PUBG with the folks over at Polygon.com. This will already good happened. Thinking. Uh, so uh, it picks up literally where we leave off. Uh, Blaskowitz is is all fucked up from the nuclear cannon and the and the grenade, uh, but is rescued. I don't want to get into the specifics of how he's rescued because I don't really understand them. I it was a very under- tiny nuke. Okay. <laughs> oh, sure. But they, but like the end of the new, nuke, the, the end you know? of new order, like shows them getting into a helicopter and I know. leaving. I know. They came back. And okay. then the nuke fell again. <laughs> oh, look. Well, uh, it's uh, it's not your shoot your hood uh, technology. Don't yep. worry about it. <laughs> Time bending. Um, Anyway, the, you, the spindly you, torque, but for a, the continuum. Exactly, you, time has been affected by the spindly torque. Uh, <laughs> you end up going, and you know, you're in a coma, and you have to get rid of some organs, and you wake up in Ava's hammer, which is the the submarine, the U-boat that you that you stole in the first game or in in New Order. I'm going to call that the first game. I know it's not yeah. the first game. The, we, let's no, be on the same page, it. though. Um, and you fight you your way have through to, it. Uh, just, just. As we're setting up here, you also have to make the Fergus Wyatt decision again. Oh, that right. Also, I've actually skipped this completely. This oh, is everything boy. I'm saying yeah. is completely wrong because that's how the that's how shooting people starts. But this game right. does not start that way. Yeah, this game starts with the flashback to being a little kid and your father, yeah. right? God, yeah, Danielle, you right wrote in about this fairly there. recently. Yes. Yeah, I actually, I played through the beginning of this game three times uh, because, uh, (laughs) first of all, there was a little save game issue with uh, uh, He Shall Not Be Named. And then uh, he he bought me lunch that day. It's fine. Wait, wait. Didn't we tell him explicitly, don't save over this game? We sure fucking did. But uh, it's okay because I love him and he's a wonderful person and just happened to fuck up my save game. That happened and then... I had to play through it another extra time because the game crashed and didn't save Ugh. my progress properly. Ugh. I've been having some crash-ass issues with this game. But it's fine because this is a hell of an intro. Uh, and I remember Rob and I actually played it through uh, together on stream. Right. So we don't uh, need to belabor it because we did that. We talked about intros. That conversation yes. exists. If you're interested in that, find the Waypoint uh, radio that's about intros. It's probably about a month ago now. 
But yes, uh, just to just to recap, you are a young child and you are sort of as BJ, obviously, he's going through all these flashbacks, these moments in his life. There's the Fergus Wyatt decision, which you need to make again. And then there's also uh, this flashback to his childhood where his like really <coughs> horrifically abusive father uh, is is making him do horrible things. He is being abusive towards his mother. He is racist, misogynist, homophobic, anti-Semitic. He really hits all the bases. Anti-dog. Anti-dog. He, kill, he kills a dog. We talked yeah. about that at length on that Tries episode. to force so. you to kill the dog, uh, yeah. which is really awful. Um, so, so that's that's how what's happening in BJ's head before he wakes up from his coma. He wakes up from a coma, can't really walk, gets in a wheelchair, and dual wields uh, some machine guns to try to, <laughs> to uh, you know, be be the baddest ass he can be. Uh, and yeah, fights his way through the the Avis Hammer and kills a bunch of Nazis and finds some, you know, uh, there's some traps that set set hmm, that yep. set put into place uh, <laughs> in order to to zap some Nazis. It's it's good fun. And then you you get through all that stuff. You wind up confronting, uh, meeting back up with Caroline and with um, the like. For, for me, it was Fergus. Did you stay with Wyatt, Rob? I went back to Fergus and I fucked up. I should have stayed with Wyatt. <laughs> Fergus is canonically dead. I have now put like I am now Jesus. convinced of it. Whoa. Like they have no ideas for Fergus in this game. Like yeah, it's, it's, it's he's, he's he's a good actor. It's it's a good yep. character that exists for one game. He has fuck all to do in the second game. Yeah, I watched all the Wyatt scenes and wish I would have gone with Wyatt one hundred percent. So this is a hard turn from our first episode, but I'm gonna <laughs> stick to it. I mean it. Um, so you get you get attacked by Frau Angle, uh, who has this giant flying airship thing. Um, that has a dope name, and I've already forgotten. The Ausmerzer. What does that mean? Something. The Ausmerzer. It must mean. I mean, something. it probably means something. It's probably <laughs> real language, right? Anyway, that's yeah. Uh, you get attacked by this flying ship. You go into. You, you kind of. She captures Caroline and Fergus, and it's like, well, I got to go, I, honey. I got to go try to save them, even though I can't even though I'm not at my top operating uh, potential here, because at this point you're just, you're in a wheelchair. You're, you're wheeling yourself around and are shooting people from the, from the wheelchair. Um, and, you know, you wheel yourself over there because he doesn't have the suit yet, right? Right. Um, it's a crucial moment where he gets the suit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then you get just this fucking... Should, should we also mention we're having twins? That is oh, twinsies? is that already, is that, is that delivered at that point? That's delivered at this is. point? Jesus, yeah. Very, I guess very, very briefly, she's like, he she's says showing. something like, oh, you've gotten so fat. And she's like, oh, Seth says it's twins. So there's this really yes. kind of tender Good. moment there uh, between them. But yes, yeah, sorry. Go on. No, no, that's fine. Uh, and then what else? I'm just, I'm trying to make sure I'm not missing any early details before we get to what I think is like the big first act, like catalyst for what the emotional turmoil BJ is going through is. Um, I, you know. Uh, Frau Engel captures you and also captures uh, Caroline, your your mentor and and commander and and whoever your your chosen Fergus or Wyatt partner is, uh, and is just the fucking worst. Is just berating you, um, and is also berating her daughter, uh, whose Sigrun. name Sigrun. Sigrun. Yeah, Sigrun. Yeah, uh, Sig. Yeah, uh, and and is is you know it does a does a big thing. She does a big bad thing, which is she chops Caroline's head off. Oh man! And then puts like just like Ugh. puts on an act with it, 
Uh, yes. <laughs> rubs yep. it in your face, rubs it in her daughter's face. You makes get fun little of her, kisses from the those, severed corpse. Uh-huh, lots the, of yes, kisses. Yeah. Uh, some, some, some simulated sex uh, actions with the corpse. With, oh, that's with the, right. With the corpse and putting it in her, like... Basically having a whole homophobic thing because she's yeah. read her daughter's diary and she has she has thoughts about ladies apparently and so uh-huh. she she like rubs the corpse in her daughter's crotch like that's it's the thing like the head not the whole not the, the head whole itself the, he- that the would, face <laughs> if the she face drags is the whole rubbed. corpse yeah yes um, and it's it's I, like if you were talking about cartoonish evil this game Ooh. jumps right into it yeah. uh, and the thing that's so weird is like it jumps right into it and then seconds later does that hard pivot I think the first act of this game is does these really hard swings between the two in a in a very similar way to the beginning of the first game uh or at the very beginning but like the first act of the first game where you go from like this cartoon nazi villain is is literally playing with your dead mentor's head to bj is wearing your dead mentor's like bodysuit that lets him get up and walk around despite having having uh been been severely wounded by the events of the first game uh and like having these deep internal monologues where he's he's talking well caroline i'm gonna need your wings for a little bit longer and it's like okay (laughs) bj like (laughs) you know you're about to go like stab 30 nazis (laughs) right yep (laughs) but i think it works honestly yeah, yeah, I have got I, I, I actually went a little bit back and forth on it. Like when I first saw it, you know, this intro, saw it, played it, whatever, I was a little taken aback. Like I, I think even sort of watching the stream, I was like a little like, holy fuck. Like actually uh-huh. a little shocked, genuinely a little bit shocked by how far they took things. And then I sort of worked it out and, and thought about it and wrote a little thing about it. And I think it it does work. I think going this fucking far actually makes sense, given sort of the context of the world we currently live in and how cartoonish Mm. it can be in some ways, how cartoonishly bad it can be in some ways. I think it's like, yeah, actually, I really fucking respect machine games for going (laughs) this hard, this far, right at the beginning, saying this is the game you're in for. This is what's going to happen. We're not going to pull any punches here. It is going to be over the top. I would yeah, be I yeah. would be more critical of it if it didn't also include this this other sort of evil this much more you know the 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 banal evil the the sort of like workman like evil yes. not just of the father but like throughout the game throughout the yeah, game oh, absolutely it hits I, I'm just I evil. just mean in terms of the intro itself yeah yes, yeah, yeah absolutely yeah, I gotcha. absolutely but I think I think this for me is a major difference between this and the first game which is we don't get enough of, in the first game of like collaborators and. Uh, the 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 everyday workhorses that make a Nazi machine function um, across the world, and this game sells that over and over and over again. And so then, like, it's a mix of that and terrible, like what you think of as cartoonish evil that that yeah. you know has historical precedent. As uh, you know, at least one person who wrote in reminded us is just like, yeah. listen, if you've spoken to Holocaust survivors like I have, you will hear stories that will make any sort of cartoon, what you know, supposedly cartoonish uh, a representation of Nazis seem like pale in comparison to the truth. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, Patrick, you were going to say something. Yeah, well, I would, well, we're kind of blew past the point I was going to jump in on, but uh, the uh, sorry, it's okay. Uh, I was going to say, like those the, the tonal shifts that happen early on. I, mm-hmm. I think when you like a lot of things in Wolfenstein, I think when you say them out loud, they sound like they shouldn't work. Like mm-hmm. when you when you actually speak the lines in the gravelly voice that you just did, it sounds patently ridiculous in lots of things in 
the, the, the New Order and the New Colossus sound patently ridiculous if you were to describe them and talk about them or just see them written on the page. And I think it's a testament to sort of like the execution in these games that manages to pull off and give weight and gravitas to things that sound like they in, in no world should should work. And yet somehow in this game often often does. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, there are, for me, there are key moments where they especially work because this game is hyper aware of the self seriousness of his internal monologue and his, and his anxieties, many of which are about his broken body, um, or a body yeah. he thinks of as broken, despite his ability to continue to kill people, uh, <laughs> with little effort and, and do his job. Um, he, he, he renders his body broken and his days short. Right. And his anxiety around this and his inability to provide for Anya in some hypothetical future where there are no more Nazis and they've won the day across the world um, is like super key. And then it will do these hard pivots to like, oh, no, the reality is he when he's speaking to her, he can't be that person. He can't be this melancholic, like, oh, well, I'm just a, I'm just a, a character in American, in an American tragedy. Like, no, he's just gonna be like, I, I love you. And I'm so sad. I'm about to die. Fuck up. Uh, mm. And it's so good <laughs> to see those two things played off of each other. Um, because it makes the, it makes the sort of meandering in his own bad feelings, like it, it recognizes that that's a thing people do, and then like the second reality hits the real world, it all falls apart. And I, I actually really appreciate that throughout the the kind of first arc of this game. Um, so you get that suit, you go in, you you uh, you know uh, make the Avis hammer, you release it from the grip of the of the airship, uh, and you escape. Not only because uh, not only with with Fergus or Wyatt, but also with Seagrun, who at this point has. Uh, decided to stay and help you because fuck her bad mom and fuck Nazis. Yeah. Um, the head thing might have been her breaking point. That was a bad yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. Also the fat, the fat jokes and the all yeah. just bad. Just her mom is terrible. Um, <laughs> bad mom. Yeah. Bad, bad mom. Bad mom. Uh, so you escape. You get back onto the ship and you leave. Uh, and you get just like a lot of downtime in this ship. It's great. <laughs> It, I think it's really, really cool uh, how often you are encouraged to talk to people and sort yeah. of watch little, not cutscenes, but, you know, little mini scripted events and and kind of get to know the people on the ship. That was something I obviously really enjoyed in the first game, but it feels very much expanded here, which yeah. I super appreciate. They are so good at little character building moments yeah. and showing evolution of character. Little hesitations, little gestures, the way Sigrun is slowly at first rejected, but maybe starts working her way into the fabric of the ship society. Um, the fact that Set is a bit of an asshole yeah. uh, starts to come <laughs> out. Like there's a point where he loses a chess game to Max Haas. And there is a clear like how the how the hell did I just lose? to the guy who was lobotomized by the Nazis, and he's kind of a dick about it. Yeah. Um, also, okay, I just, look, it pays off later in the game, but I want to talk about how much I love Max Haas in this game. Yes. Okay, talk to me about Max Haas. Okay. So, in the first game, it's established that, like, he does not speak. He just says his name in different inflections, and that's how he communicates. But it's, in the first game, you're led to believe that, like, okay, he, he just, he's, he's 
he's like lives in this child's world, this child's mind, and he plays with his crayons. And it's it's kind of very stereotypical uh, in some ways. What I love in this in this second game is it starts to flesh out a little bit more like who Max actually is. And what's revealed is that he is actually picking up tremendous amounts from everyone around him. Yeah. Um, and is like endlessly like sweet and compassionate. But the cool thing is a lot of this is communicated through his art uh-huh. and the fact that he... So there's a cool thing. I don't know if you noticed this, but in Bombate's uh, quarters, he has like a bit of... Uh, like Afro influenced abstract abstract paintings uh, in it. There's there's one piece in particular, and throughout the game, Max has started like iterating on that and evolving that art style oh, so into cool. his own artwork, incorporating it. Like he's already gone through sort of a psychedelic thing with like painting the fuselages of the of the helicopters, <laughs> but throughout the game, you see him working on a larger work that is like psychedelic expressionism uh Uh and it is incorporating elements from this painting that another character brought onto the ship that he has studied and learned from and is putting his own spin on and it pays off so beautifully with like at the end these things he's been like sort of coloring and painting in the background throughout the entire game are revealed to be part of like this massive like installation uh that he's built uh that like is legitimately good and like floor is another another major character mm-hmm. um i just i i love the attention to detail and the slow evolution of of that story yeah and uh the way it tells you a great deal about like where you know where max is and all this and like how he's feeling and and how he's sort of like moving on from his traumas yeah all that stuff worked pretty well for me on the flip side you know what's some bullshit is you 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 know there's all this great stuff on the max he introduces you to the pig Uh uh-huh that's and that pig (laughs) i'm like cool i'm gonna feed that pig that seems like a good side quest yeah we got the potatoes uh-huh. And I fed that pig, uh-huh. and you and you pet that pig, and you're like, "Good, like I can't Good wait pig. to see, where, I can't wait to see where this goes." <laughs> like every single time I got back on that boat, first thing I did, go get Step the potatoes, one. get the potatoes. <laughs> yep, give them to that pig. You got a like, chore to do. If you're gonna be on this boat, you're gonna have to do a chore, and your and, chore is feeding that pig. And those potatoes kept getting restocked, so I kept thinking, "All right." This is like one of those like cool side quests. It's gonna pay off over the long run. I'm gonna keep giving this dog the dog. Sorry, I apologize. <laughs> you are not a dog. You are not a dog. It's not a dog. You're a pig. And kept getting those potatoes. And the pig was very happy to get those potatoes. And I did this the whole game. I probably did it like you know a dozen times. Like how many times you're you're back Patrick. in that sequence? Patrick. And I did Patrick. it every time, and nothing happens. Patrick. Sometimes yes. the joy, the 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 reward. Is getting to feed a pig. Yeah. I mean, it was good like seven times. <laughs> no. <laughs> the eighth time, I wanted, I wanted something. I kind of <laughs> love that, like, but a big part of BJ's character that's established in this game is this broadening circle of compassion and understanding that, like, BJ and, 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 and some other characters are consistently, like, portrayed as, like, increasingly gentle and respectful of just life in general. Like, uh, there's a thing with BJ and a rat, uh, later, later in the story. But like, I do love that the, look, that pig doesn't have to justify you caring for it or loving it or trying to make it happy. 
you're going to eat that pig. You're going to eat that pig one day anyway? No. Nobody's eating that pig. No. Nobody's eating that pig. If I no keep eating that pig. That is established early on. Someone's no. going to eat that pig. No! And then and then Max and probably BJ are going to fuck that person up. Like, that, that, that pig is safe. That pig right. is going to be happy. No, you know what's really going to happen delicious. to the pig? Seth's going to totally use it to uh, to do a head transplant. I, do, I know it. Oh, my That's God. Gonna, that pig's organs are going to be <laughs> yeah. in somebody still, else. Like, we, can, we can have our bacon, and <laughs> oh my God. the pig That's- is fine. <laughs> They've opened up a magical uh, vault of technology, including <laughs> one that lets you extract bacon oh from God. live from pigs. From a healthy pig that yeah. keeps going on. They, well, no, I mean, his head goes on. But. Yeah. 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 They sh- they, you should have woken up. We're jumping ahead way here, but that you should have woken up with your head on that pig, and then you could have explored <laughs> the boat as the pig. As oh the my pig. God. How Jesus. good would that have been? Oh, How incredible. good would that have been? Oh, my God. I what if that's still s- in there somewhere? What if there's a secret thing we, we need to figure out how to unlock that? This machine Patrick, game. if you fed it nine more times. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and then you have to go get the potatoes yourself. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. like, <laughs> <laughs> with your little pig <laughs> things. Yep. I don't know what hooves, I guess. Hooves, Pig hooves. hooves. Yeah. Oh, Get around in there. Walking on on BJ the pig eating eating <laughs> potatoes in the pantry. Ugh. Just think of the art. Like, what it would have had to have looked like. Oh my god, it would so have been incredible. Doctor like Moreau, but like happy. Like, there you yeah, go. no, it's just oh, that's so good. Well, that's also kind of what's happening. Doctor Moreau by Happy is also sort of the thing that happens. Yeah, we'll get there. Oh, let's, let's try to get there <laughs> yeah. right, because like, there's a lot to cover here. So, well, I mean, in terms of that's part of this this uh, next sequence is finding shadow it pretty the hard. monkey. He's finding yeah. the monkey. Remember? Oh, do you find the monkey? Is that what you do in this? Yeah, n- I, right we, at the beginning we, here. Seth's I don't like. Remember. Yeah, I yes. don't remember this at all. A big thing that is like re- a really weird detail that you're like, I bet that's going to come in handy later. Is set is like, look at my cat monkey. Yep. And everyone's like, what the fuck is a cat monkey? And he was like, I transplanted this thing's head onto a monkey's body because I loved my cat. My cat was dying, so I grafted it onto a monkey's body. And with this dot, you could uh, collar that it now wears. <laughs> It's a cat monkey, yep. and it's awesome, and it's happy, and doesn't have to die. God. Like, we're already there. This is in the first hour of the game, and we're already I, there. I, so this happened without me noticing it, because I think that for <laughs> the <laughs> first... the cat monkey! 100%. 100% didn't know... Like, I don't, I, so someone later would bring this up to me, like, oh, I should have seen this. I think it was you, Patrick. I was like, I should have seen it coming with that cat monkey. I was like, oh, yeah, that cat monkey's in the game. Like, I'd seen the cat monkey. I thought he just had a weird cat monkey. I, I was like, oh, yeah, he has a cat monkey, of course. Sure. There's a whole cutscene. I don't remember it. I like was so. This is the actual thing. I'm like, I like the intro to this game, and then I did the the shooting through the the U boat, and then the airship, and I was like, um, snore. Like nothing here is actually hitting for me because I'm still like not in love with the combat in this game, and it hasn't it hasn't ramped itself up to become the game it would be. So that that whole first return, like it was cool. It was cool to see the place, like to see those people at that point. Mm-hmm. But I came to love. Ava's hammer over time that first trip through it was not the one where I was like I love this so much I'm paying close <laughs> attention it was like I was checked out and I don't remember that monkey cat cutscene at all that boat it, needed New Yorkers it needed that's what I'm saying more than go. set it needed additional New Yorkers um, it's true 
So we speaking of New York, didn't need New Yorkers because that's what the the plan is. Is Caroline's uh, plan before she died was we have to liberate America. If we can liberate America, then we can liberate the world. I mean, uses a stepping stone, and and to do that, we're gonna have to get in touch with the only freedom fighters left, the black people and the communists. And boy, this game, this game <laughs> knows knows I'm gonna play it, huh? <laughs> um, so you have to go to Manhattan. You have to go to Manhattan, which is where the nuke dropped. Um, and you have to locate the freedom fighters who are still there somewhere at the top of a, of a skyscraper uh, above the irradiated wastes of, of New Ve- or, uh, sorry, of, of Manhattan. Um, this is like the most fallouty yeah. <laughs> shit that's ever been in one of these games. Um, but it, again, worked pretty well for me because you start to get the picture that it wasn't the bomb that made America fascist. Yep. You start finding the postcards and the letters that that and the and the news clippings that are like, oh yeah, like there were already people who were uh, who were interested in the ideals of of the Nazi regime who who thought maybe there was some truth to the 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 notion of of genetic purity and 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 or a useful uh, racial means purity. to an end at the very least. Yes, exactly. Um, you start reading about collaborators that early, uh, and and also see how quickly the the it goes from being an occupation to being working alongside the Nazis. Um, and you also get one of my favorite details, which is this notion of like they they dream of rebuilding Manhattan as a city yes. on a hill, uh, <laughs> as like the beautiful the beautiful city, the one that will convince people that Nazi the Nazi regime is powerful and perfect, and they can't do it at fucking all. They're so <laughs> incompetent. Which which I it speaks to one of your desires from the first game, Rob. Right? Like you had said, yeah. is there a, is there a fictional world in which, or some, maybe someone wrote in and said this, uh, in which the Nazis are not hyper capable, and like you really get them here as being like we don't know. How how to clean up after our own fucking mess. We did not anticipate this being as hard as it is. God, there's even, and it's also so familiar. And like, there's a brand building exercise at one point you find that they're doing around mm-hmm. uh, rebuilding New York. And it's like, well, how are we going to get people to move back to New York? Well, this whole like city of a million ghosts thing, <laughs> that can't be, that can't be the nickname for the city. And so here's what we've been sort of workshopping and kicking around the office. Uh, Wilhelm uh, said, maybe we could call it the, uh, the big apple strudel. <laughs> my parenthetical, like this got lots of laughs. When, when yeah. Wilhelm suggested it. <laughs> it was such a good like oh man this is that like totally unproductive brainstorming meeting that you mm-hmm. have to like generate work product from and you send it up the chain like yeah perfect that's the nazis good. yep yep totally well and just the idea of like realizing like in a like there's bureaucracy even in fascism like, they, right. like just like introducing like those little elements of like how does this actually work like it's both like exposing incompetence and also just like there's bullshit too. Like mm-hmm. even though like they're these evil t- the monsters. Like there's bullshit, and uh, it's just they. I, the there's a lot of great writing in the main script, but I think um, I I hate the fact that some of the best writing, some of the best world building, happens in collectibles. Yeah, that me too. I think not that I, I I'm fine with them being scattered, and you you come across them randomly in the game, or if you want to seek them out. And it, I found that the maps in this game were often confusing to yep. even find the collectibles, or it wasn't clear to me if I needed to just like actually find a physical map. That then, like, it was just it really was frustrating because there was so much tremendously good. Uh, like smart, funny, sarcastic, interesting, insightful 
world building happening and this optional stuff that I wish at the end of the game it just said, hey, I know that you didn't find everything. Yeah. And, you actually gotta, and you actually have to find it if you want the achievement. But if you just want to read it, like if you just want to scroll through the stuff that you didn't find, like, hey, like go – here's all the shit that you – the letters you didn't stumble upon because you didn't look under this fucking desk. Right. Um, I, I'm fine with the achievement being something different than the fact that a lot of really good stuff people aren't going to find unless they like go to a wiki page or, or I'm not even sure if that stuff is catalog. Like I, I right. there's just, cause there's just, it's so, even the stuff that is commenting on and being uh, like layers of irony over like the like writing that's happening about like Donald Trump and like the rise of like the, the far right and the alt right. Yep. Um, like there's really smart, interesting commentary. You know, th- th- they talk about the dapper Nazis in here, which is like something that doesn't. It's like it's just it's a for a certain <laughs> segment of people like that hits really hard because it's a really yeah. smart, funny joke. But uh, the idea that you won't come across it because you decided you just want to like move through the level faster. Like I'm sure. Uh, Danielle, like you probably didn't come across nearly as much of that stuff because you were more, you know, interested in just kind of moving through the story, which is totally reasonable that you wouldn't want to spend fucking an hour, you know, poking around yeah. on your desk trying to find that stuff. And it's against the way I like to play these games. Going back to what we were saying about, like, it has a tiny, it's not an immersive sim by any means, but it has a tiny bit of that spirit in it, which means there's all this amazing detail everywhere. And that's how I play those games, slow as hell, looking at literally everything. And so my instinct is always, you know, when I'm presented with a sort of richly detailed world like this, I do want to go look at everything. And so I was, God, I, you know, as you're saying, I was like trying to blast through to try to get through all the game um, in time for the podcast. And I was definitely picking up anything I could see. Like if I saw a flash, I would immediately run over and and grab stuff. And I was just sort of spamming the X button on my controller when I was near (laughs) anything flashing. So I was like, oh, there might be something there. There might be something there. But I couldn't, you know, fully put that time in. And I agree. Like there is so much like amazing like world building and story and and even the flavor text is is just fantastic in a lot of this game. I really credit the writers and I really wish I don't know that there was like a some whatever magical wizardry that like <laughs> I don't know. You you could put you could equip on your fucking suit or your whatever your body and it would just make things like you could do like a little witcher vision or something yeah, a that you pulse could actually or see like it. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it's not great in fiction but Maybe New Game no, Plus. I, I, I don't know. Here's something, my here's something. my pitch is 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 you do what Patrick says, which is you get all the postcards at the end and 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 all the all the letters, and then in their sp- in their place is like a resistance knife in the level now. And if you go back, yeah, you can find okay. the knife and collect the knives instead of collecting the postcards or whatever. Yeah. Like just just and to get the achievement. Like yeah, let's just just give it just give us this cool writing because it's, it's all so, so good. good. Yeah. Um, there's so there's you, a really great letter. I, sorry, I'll make it super ahead. quick, I promise. But there's a really great letter somewhere in New York. I don't remember exactly where, but about the Klansmen talking between themselves. Like, yes. oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think, you know, it would actually be a great idea. They, they're really, they're into white America. Uh, I think, you know, I think maybe we could do this. Like, it, it's like this amazing moment of like, oh, God, you you yeah. pieces of shit. Like, it's really, yeah. really, it hits really well, I think. Well, it's interesting, too, because, uh, like, historically, the Klan, despite the, the South, is what I'll say, maybe not the Klan, but the South was, like, virulently anti-Nazi, despite being super racist still. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, America was super racist still, but the South, the South uh, especially so. Um, but, like, there was something about the American notion of patriotism that was, like, uh, this is what historians say anyway, like, that, that, 
overrode the notion of of racial superiority. It was like, yeah, there's gonna be we're gonna be racist, but we're gonna be racist racist independently. And the <laughs> wow. sort of thesis that the sort of thesis that Wolfenstein Two makes throughout is like all it took was a push that like, yes, we fought them as hard as we could when there was a war. But the second that the wind blew the other direction, we fucking kneeled. We kissed the ring. Uh, and not we, y'all. And like the scene that this then goes to gets to that, right? Like you fight your way through New York. It's a very vertical level. There's lots of like, two or three story buildings there's lots of like sniping down there's all these flying drones i like it as a level quite a bit um and you make your way to a penthouse suite where you meet grace walker and super spesh yeah. uh who both of who are, are fantastic characters um who basically lead like the black liberation movement right uh grace had been had, in fact grace had been targeted by the fbi before the war right or was that or was that before the occupation I don't remember Before the, the occupation, dates. but there, there's evidence she was like on trial for anti-war effort activities right. in like the late forties, right? And also, uh, and also that they'd put a body on her, right? Like they had tried to like make they try to frame her for murder, yeah. Um, but super special, I think it was super special. Her loyal lawyer and and I think so, uh, and managed to to get her off scot free. And just I really want the flashback of super special in court so bad, oh, so yeah. badly. I, I really want to know what his courtroom persona was because <laughs> he too. is a lot to take in. Like <laughs> he is over caffeinated conspiracy theorist. Uh, is is sort of the way to put it. Yep. And it would be interesting to see him in front of a jury. Yes. <laughs> uh, it sure would. Uh, and then Grace is fantastic. So Grace is, is a black woman, big, big Afro, uh, who immediately makes the case that is the same case Jay makes, but I think a little more pointedly, which is like, I mean, what she says is like, either you're black, you're a deviant, or you're a Nazi. <laughs> like that's what the world is. If you're not a Nazi, this is where we're at. Uh, and and he kind of does the whole speech that Jay gives you in the first game about white America having already turned its back on on so many people uh, and being like the source of the of the problem here. Um, I think like the scene with them is really powerful, and I think we get a couple of these scenes of BJ needing to contend with his own role as white passing throughout this game, uh, but also using his white passing. And I think we'll get into some of this stuff in a little bit because <laughs> it goes, it goes to a lot of places. Um, what did y'all think of grace? Love um, her best new character of the year. <laughs> yeah, I, I think she's, she's a tremendous character and there's a beat I want to hit in just a minute. But the first thing I want to say is, um, I find the entire aesthetic around, uh, grace's movement, to be interesting because like we're living in a future where 60s radicalism never really or it didn't happen the way it happened right. in, in our timeline, yeah. right? right? But these they are all wearing the the uniform basically of yeah. uh 60s uh black black American radicals, uh Black Panthers. Yep. Uh and I guess I'm like it's interesting to me because they're using all these signifiers of basically a past that never quite happened. Right. Uh and I am just kind of wondering, like, when I was looking at it, I was thinking, but wouldn't a black resistance in this world still be more led by whatever's left of 
labor unions and uh, the church, right? Because right. like it wouldn't have arrived at, at, at that at, at that point, or they never get to the mechanism by which we arrived at this sort of uh, you know liberation, the, this sort of like militant liberationist aesthetic, right? The black leather, the od green yeah. with mm-hmm. with pins and patches, um, right? The, the like the the sixties era, the Vietnam era yeah. resistance. I mean, uh, aesthetically looks fucking awesome. Yeah, I, so I get why you draw them that way. I, it's like I'm I'm, I'm of two minds which is like on one side i am of the mind that is like totally with you of you have the opportunity to build a new aesthetic and to and to imagine a different world you should do it because that's fun to do and because it's powerful on the other hand it's also powerful to put on screen in heroic in a heroic frame characters who are always uh traditionally rendered as naive or as corrupt or as or not rendered at all Right. And so, like, there is something powerful for me that, like, oh, this is what they imagine resistance to look like is the way the Black Panthers looked, the way that other black liberation and, and black radical movements looked in the 60s. Um, it, it doesn't match cl- cleanly at all, you know, um, but it, it worked for me because it was, it was valuable to use that, that visual analogy. Uh, and and especially in our current moment, to to give people a hero who looks like real people who have not always been rendered as heroes. Yeah. So something I love that this game does the minute after we meet Grace, basically, uh huh, is they make you feel weird about the power dynamics just a little bit because Grace shows up on the Ava's hammer, uh-huh. and without asking, without hesitating like takes over the captain's quarters uh-huh. <laughs> and is now the head of your resistance movement. And it feels weird because she is explicitly, she does not know who Caroline Becker is. Never, nope. n- never knew this person has no image of her on the ship. And without missing a beat, just commandeers Caroline's old room, which has sort of been kept as a shrine to her memory or yeah. nobody's had the nerve to move into it. And with that, I think she even explicitly says like something to the effect of you need to be in proximity to where the power is. Like she needs to be in the center of yeah. things. And it's cool because just from a personal perspective of like, you've just lost a character you spent the previous game with and who you're attached to. There is kind of this weird like energy around that moment of like, well, wait, hold the fuck on. <laughs> like, what are you doing in Caroline's spot in, 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 in charge of our team. But the, what I loved about it is there are weird dynamics around resistance movements, especially as they are, you know, intersectional, right. As uh-huh. they are bringing together different groups who've been waging their own struggle. And I kind of love that this transition is not smooth and it's not entirely comfortable and has some odd undercurrents. And I think it is really well carried off because at no point does this character have to win over the Chrysau circle. She just comes in with a political agenda and a like, you know, an actual plan. Right. Momentum. She comes in with velocity and they can't resist it. Um, They're already tired. That's that's I feel (laughs) like it's really a part of the fiction. Like they're really tired and they have been for over a game now, you know, for over 20 years in, in this world. And here she is and she, she carries some serious deep wounds, absolutely. But she's not, even if she's tired, she will never show it. She, well, she, she has a vision. That. Yes, yes, absolutely. And her vision is nuclear weapons. Yep. Well, <laughs> get the nukes. <laughs> 
It's another good beat, though, where she's like, you guys are idiots for not using these. <laughs> and it's, it's the other yeah. way of, of like, okay, but here's, here's some context that you're also not familiar with. Like, yes, we have nukes. What would you propose we just start using them on? And right. she was like, oh, I've got some ideas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's ready to go. Um, uh, and so then, wait, where do you, do you go right to, you, oh, you go into deeper into the ship, you find out that there are secretly Nazis living on the boat still, on the U-boat. Yep. Uh, you kill Which a bunch of Nazis. That's a, like, the, the side quests, uh, in, in your little area in the first game were not particularly good. They mostly just seemed like excuses for you to, like, go do something, and you're, yeah. like, finding the wrench and fighting off some drones was not, like, a particularly satisfying exploration of that space. Yeah. But it sucked. They, they, yeah, it was bad. And they, they seemed to have, rather than ditching that idea, just found, like, better stories to tell yeah. uh, in that world. And the idea that there have been, like, for months, these, like, <laughs> n- uh, these Nazis, like, busily rotting away, having yeah. to scribble notes to one another, like, to communicate because they're afraid if they cough, if they make any noises, um, <laughs> that they're going to alert, you know, the sort of their, like, accidental captors um, to their to their space. Like, it's, one, it ties in really well to what happens to Caroline and, right. like, explaining yeah. how that how they would track them down. And two, it's like a really satisfying like exploration of that space in, in a way that they just did not pull off in the first Do game. you think that a creative director walked into a, an, a conference room with a whiteboard, mm-hmm. just looked at everybody in the face, and then turned around and wrote, reverse and Frank on it and like underlined it three times and was like and then like just threw the marker in the air like shrugged and walked out the room and everyone else was like I guess we'll get to work yeah on the U-boat yeah on the fucking yeah exactly <laughs> I guess we'll put them on the U-boat uh, and, it, and it's yeah. so it's so good because like so this this comes up like there is across a lot of like uh, media that touches on Nazis but also comes up a little bit in uh, the Wolfenstein series this idea that oh we're superhumans like uh, you see how these other races live and obviously they're inferior because of you know their squalor and their suffering a lot of which we've inflicted uh-huh. uh, and it verifies like why we belong to be belong in charge and then you read these notes and it's all like oh man like Dieter's getting weird and it <laughs> smells like garbage in here and nobody's cleaning enough and it's all these guys just like melting down and uh-huh. we're starting to break down like yes they this is how they bring down uh, the Ausmerzer on you but also the captain just kind of goes crazy and locks himself in the command center welds the doors shut and stops responding to any of his men um, like Discipline completely breaks down for these assholes. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's just kind of fun to sort of see, like, all the things that they've sort of weaponized and yeah. the stereotypes they've used against other people. When the shoe is on the other foot, they fall, like, faster and harder. Yeah. Like, there's a point where, like, there's, like, you're just wading through trash, uh, like, and, and what looks like shit uh, to go through their spaces. It's good. And I think this is the sequence. It's either this one or the one before it where where BJ is like deep in his feelings. Yes. Specifically about like it's super he's is. he's dying and he does he doesn't want to tell Anya that he's dying. He doesn't want to tell he can't. He can't make her feel that pain. Oh Caroline, I just I need you to carry me a couple more weeks and then I can die in peace and I can give you your wings back. I just can't let Anya know. And then like I love it so much. He leaves that space and then immediately is like 
Anya, I'm dying. <laughs> and it's like, oh, <laughs> you fucking, you, uh, you couldn't hold it together for a minute. It was like, that makes him so much. Well, and then like they have that talk. And then the end of that talk is him being like, I, I can't deal with it. I have to walk away well, like an immature asshole. Yep. And, well, and I do love, she calls him on it. Like it's yeah, not, he completely. just fesses up to it. But she's like, why the fuck are you being evasive? Why right, are you not right. like reaching out to me? Or why are we not talking? And that's when like all it takes is that little nudge. And yeah. it is so good. It's so like, it is such a re- relationship ass interaction <laughs> yep, yep. of like, oh, I feel terrible, but I just got to like shoulder this and I'm going to have to just wear this. And then your partner is like, what the fuck is up? Like, you're really shutting me out. It doesn't <laughs> feel so great. Good. And immediately it's like feelings. Yeah. That might be the moment that this game won me, actually. Um, yeah. That like before that moment, I was like rolling my eyes at, at BJ because he just goes on about that shit for a while. And then seeing him react that way, like was the first step towards running me over. And then, yeah, seeing Grace take command and be like, all right, what we're going to do is we're going to blow up the Nazi over command uh, with a nuke. Go get me a nuke. Uh, there's one on the ship. Go <laughs> get me basement. a nuke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah. in the basement. Exactly. So you you got to go to Roswell. And this is probably our clearest look at the society the Nazis have built. Oh, yeah. so, um, and I want to hit also, Roswell and then I want to hit Venus because we're running short on time. Yeah, it's also – this is the arc. Like this three hours of you get to Roswell, from you get to, to Roswell to the follow-up of – to you have a new body is maybe oh, the, Christ, the best three-hour <laughs> yeah. Yes, that part, that part where they put you on a pig. It's right, really the pig good. Part. Right, you're yeah. on a pig body. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's, let's talk Roswell. Like you said, Rob, uh, clearest picture of Nazi America. Yeah, and so it's very um, Bioshock Infinite, but with a point of view, uh, I guess is the way I describe <laughs> the sequence. Skating. Yeah. I mean, I mean, look, it's aesthetically, it's borrowing a lot of inspiration from that. It's literally like the 4th of July, which was like one of the major like design notes on uh, Bioshock Infinite. But it's 4th of July in Roswell, New Mexico. The Nazis are marching through the street and in this really like bright, harsh sunlight, you are going through and seeing what has become of Main Street USA. Uh, And I think it is a cool sequence. Uh, I wish a level took advantage of this portrait of America a little more rather than throwing you into a basement. But I do love this idea of like, yes, it is a fascist, uh, like apartheid state that is forming, but it's not really comfortable. Like even like there's still power dynamics, right? Like people think it's going to be one way, but it's not because they're still not really, (laughs) it's, they're still not the ones in charge. And so there's this moment, everyone is getting ready for a, uh, changeover day. Changeover where, day, yes. Where English stops being the official language of the United States and turns into German. And there are these two, uh, like, Klansmen just hanging out in front of a gas station. <laughs> yep. And a German soldier sort of swears up to them and just starts quizzing them about, like, how ready are they for changeover day? And one of them has, like, you know, knows what to say and knows how to get through of it. But one of them is just kind of a dumb fucking, you know, <laughs> scumbag clansman, and he cannot get through it. Uh, and there's this weird, like, oh, you thought you would be in charge. You thought these were your people. Mm-hmm. But this Nazi soldier still thinks you're shit on his shoe, too. <laughs> and that's, that's how that interaction goes. And I kind of love that beat. There will always be winners and losers, right? Like, that yeah. is the, the – and, and you will not be the winner, <laughs> It's so. it's so good. I love that and moment. There's another moment that that really is amazing. There's a woman who is really, really, really trying to kiss a Nazi commander's oh, so ass. So good. 
really hard. And she's like, oh, yes. And and I don't even listen to Mozart anymore because he's not a real German. He was an Austrian. What's up with yeah. that? And then he gets upset with her and he says he's going to report her because he has an Austrian grandmother. And of course, the, the Fuhrer himself has, is Austrian by birth. And how could you say this? And she clearly like she is she was trying to kiss his ass so hard and it just backfired. And that's like a beautiful moment. You kind of have to sidle up to the parade and listen yeah. for a few minutes for the whole thing, but it's it's so worth it. And and likewise, there's a conversation between two women uh at a cafe, you know, a few you know, like oh, nearby. Yeah. And they're just having this conversation, oh, they approve my marriage, blah blah blah. I thought this was going to go somewhere else than where it went. I thought the approved marriage thing was going to be like maybe somebody was like, you know, 0.03% Jewish or something and the, mm-hmm. the marriage had to be approved. No. They're just talking about the marriage and then, oh, by the way, hun, you know, I'm sorry, it wasn't a New England accent, but that's my like (laughs) down home Mm -hmm, people, mm -hmm. you know, she's just like, oh, and I have some really strong slaves, you know, that we wanted to bring over and and have a look at. It's just like, and that's how slavery is reintroduced as a concept Mm -hmm. in this. And it's like, holy shit. Yeah, it was a very quick and very like mundane Oh, of course the slaves. And like, again, the picture that this game has of America is cynical and and pessimistic, yes. which is like all it takes is a push to go back to the worst version of yourself. Like all it takes is just a, just a little tiny push. I mean, that's a big push. The, the nuke dropping sucks, right? <laughs> but like it wasn't the nuke dropped and then everyone resisted for another. The nuke was the excuse, right? Yeah, like the, exactly. The, the, yes. Like it's, it's, yes. The, it's the idea, you know, we've, this gets uh, like the idea of a permission structure. And yes. like permission structures are like would allow, you know, we're seeing this play out with like the permission structure to or to not vote for Roy Moore in Alabama, uh-huh. a pedophile who's trying to be part of the Senate. And you have local Republicans saying that you need to vote for him so that you can get, you know, judges on the bench. And like permission structures like are, are created so that people can do things that go against what they, they know they probably shouldn't do. Like we don't know what they're in their heart of hearts, but we know like what is easy, what is expedient, yep. what is bene- personally beneficial. And the nuke acts at, and the like, the nuke acts as a permission structure for people to take the expedient easiest way through, which is like, oh, well, you know, adopting the same rhetoric of like, well, well slaves is just giving them a better life like than what they would get under like the Germans themselves and mm-hmm. like blah, 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 blah. And so it just allows people to play to their easiest impulses. And it's, I, yes, it is, it is a heavy handed with a hammer that Wolfenstein gets you there. Yeah. But I think it's not easy. It's not hard to see like, analogies to, to real life and how permission structures are created for other people to do more mundane but equally diabolical things in their everyday lives. Totally. Yes. But then the game kind of wanders away from all this and like plunges you back <laughs> into caves and it's yet another very interchangeable Nazi science facility. Listen, Super Special and his dad saw the uh, the UFOs, okay? <laughs> and they know what's really happening out there on the Area 50 whatever it is. <laughs> And you infiltrate it and set up that nuke. And then you go visit dad. And then you go visit dad. You blow up, you blow up uh, New New Mexico, you blow up Roswell, and then you go to visit dad. And you get this like series of flashbacks to like BJ's, you know, childhood girlfriend, like his, you know, they're seven years old or whatever, playing, catching frogs and playing out in the, in the woods. And, uh, I, you know, I think the I think the notion is it could be Billie Holiday. I think that that's their, their holy shit. Yeah, I, didn't, I think that yeah, I didn't make that either. And absolutely, wait, where uh, is she from? Where was where was I Billie don't know, Holiday? But I, I've heard this. Uh, you know what? She's in Philly, so probably not. 
Um, she was having a vacation in Texas. In Mesquite. You in, know? In, in, or wherever he is. Where is he from? Mesquite? It's Mesquite, is that yeah. Mesquite Texas, Mesquite. yeah. Uh, who knows? It's a, it's a little. It's a little black girl named Billy, uh, who who has like a sense of, of conscience before BJ does. He's all about torturing frogs, and she's like, "Don't fucking kill this frog." It's actually a, a fairly effective scene, I think. Um, and you just kind of wander through his childhood home and then confront his father. Thoughts about this whole sequence? It's good. Yeah, it's real good. <laughs> it's real good. <laughs> it's. I mean, this series does dark elegy. Like better than it does anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, the way you wander through the ruins of your childhood home, which was a shithole when you grew up there, and has become more of a shithole now, uh, feels it feels so much like revisiting places of like old trauma and old hurts. You know, mm-hmm. you kind of outgrown them, but at the same time, you're kind of continually snapped back to when this was all immediate and horrible, and uh, how you felt. Um, the scenes with Billy are great and the way she sort of teaches him those first, like, you know, she, she, she gets him to not drown the rat. Right. Cause like if right, the whole, a, rat, if a big yeah. part of this game is all people need is a push. Uh, BJ's father is pushing really, really hard to mm-hmm. make him another monster. God, that gun and, sequence is so oh, good. Yeah. The sequence yeah. of, so there's the sequence of BJ being afraid of monsters in the basement who are going to come take his mother away. Oh my God. Which is, is so like good. already fantastic given what happens to his mother and given what happens to so many uh, Jewish people uh, when collaborators uh, get involved. And um, he, so his fear is already, you know, very potent. And in what is maybe the only instance of seeing his father feel like he might genuinely care about his son, he still resorts to a thing that is detrimental to his son in some way, which is he says, all right, if there's monsters in the sun, he's like, I've tried telling you there are no monsters in the, in the, in the basement, son. I've tried telling you that if there are monsters, we'll take care of them. I've tried telling you that I've checked the basement, there are no monsters. Uh, <laughs> told you there's no such thing as a monster. We're going to go fight those monsters. Here's a gun. Here's a, here's a, a 22. Uh, it might be a BB gun. I think it's a 22. Uh, and like the whole family goes downstairs together into the basement and there's no monsters there. And then we get a picture of BJ finally sound asleep next to a gun. And it's like, oh, this is who you are. This is why you are the way you are. And also, I love that his father is an honest-to-God monster. Like, the, oh, yeah. like the, one of the worst people in the game, maybe only beaten out by Frau Engel and the Fjord himself when you meet him. But like... The great thing about that sequence is even here where BJ's like grown man and is coming to grips with all this past, you still have these warm memories of somebody who you depended on and treated you like shit. Yeah. And on some level you are still haunted by how much you treasure those memories. And it is both a scary memory because of the lesson that's being imparted and the way it's being imparted. And even there rip has this air of like being vaguely threatening, but at the same time, the image of the whole family in the middle of the night going through the uh, the play acting of hunting monsters in the basement, bursting through that door, is really affecting. And I just, I love that beat. Yeah. It's the only time the family looks like it's together, which I think gives BJ a very specific notion of what family looks like. Uh, also, what masculinity looks like and, and what, what is safe. Uh, and the answer is to have a gun nearby. Um, and then you get the confrontation with Rip, with, with your father. I know, Patrick, you, you had some strong feelings about that sequence. Because the second it was done, you IM me. Uh, yeah. And, it, it, you know, it's, it's one of those moments that I, I, I thought was actually going to be 
that uh, BJ was having a hallucination. Like it just seemed like awfully <laughs> like convenient that you'd be exploring your like your childhood home, and then you would run into your father to have a cathartic moment where you can like talk through <laughs> your feelings. It was like okay, like. At the start was a little on the nose that he would just be waiting for you there, but I think it ends up being one of the most powerful moments in the game because, like, the way it crescendos, like, the way it builds, like, you're just so, you're angry for him. Like, you're you're angry at what this says about, like, a larger American culture because, like, they end up using his father as, like, a cipher to describe how probably tens of millions of Americans like quickly right. turned yep. on like their brothers, their sisters, their wives, their daughters. Like there was probably no measure of cruelty uh, too high um, um, to try and be superior. And although he is slightly of a caricature of like white superiority, like, you know, I think what the game successfully does is paint that there were a lot of shades of, there's a hierarchy to like what people, um, uh, found themselves, you know, going through the permission structure and 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 acquiescing to mm-hmm. uh, the Nazis. And I, like, when you have that moment where uh, he lunges at you and, like, there's... I didn't know what to do. Like, I just, like, started smacking buttons on the controller and then I fucking killed him. Like, I, <laughs> I put, you know, put that axe through his neck or however I was playing it out because it happened so fast I don't even have, like, a full detailed recollection like, i even wondered to myself like if it was possible to not kill him like because you get an mm. achievement which made me think well maybe there's a way where you don't kill him but i i don't i, don't, I never yeah, went back I don't to actually either. find out if that was a option or if that's just a the game is going to note that for you regardless of um yeah what you choose to do yeah like the thing that he does is like sells out your mother's family and then your mother right um and and it does it for such marginal gain like like he had she had a shitty farm now he has like a bigger farm he's not a king you know like he isn't he didn't betray his family to save the world he didn't betray his family to like he did a terrible thing so he could have a farm and well and, and there's that uh, amazing moment where um BJ's mother confronts him about the fact that he squandered the money so like not only did he have a failing business but like he failed at using jewish money and (laughs) then like lost all of that and like that like confrontational moment between like like uh, bj's mother and his father like is one of my because you know it's one of the few moments where she like stands up pushes back against him and like all of that in the context of the actions he took which was to sell out his wife given the fact that he was a fail like it's you know it's not that the game like spends a lot of time talking about like toxic max- masculinity and like like feet like the, the way that men look at themselves and like power uh-huh. structures but like that is very much a story about that in which like a man is unable to confront his own failings like take account for them and instead lashes out at the world and uses like the power structures that are available to him to to uh to fuck over others because he cannot confront like his own moral failings yeah uh, and then we go from that to another big gunfight. That was the first really hard gunfight for me. The first really hard section was this rooftop. I just, for whatever reason, kept getting killed as the, the airship was pulling apart this house. Um, you get captured, and you get just this amazing, ridiculous, like, hour of, like, <laughs> com- or I guess it maybe took an hour for me because that courthouse scene is so hard to fucking complete. Yeah. Uh, but you get 
you get arrested and you get uh, brought to to prison and you're going to get tried and you're going to get executed. Uh, you get this amazing sequence of super special coming in. Who's like, I got a plan to get you out of here. And it does not go well. <laughs> I love that whole sequence so much. It is exactly my shit uh, in terms of like ridiculous character shows up. To it feels save very you. Brazil. It's so good. Yeah. yeah. And then just like they open the door, laugh at him and kill him, you know, and they'll laugh that at you for time. thinking. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I was just going to no, say go that entire time, I was like, why would the Nazis ever allow there to be lawyers? Like, they wouldn't, <laughs> yeah. The yeah. Nazis wouldn't let there be lawyers. The right. hell? Like, right. something's up. And yeah, yeah. something was and yes, up. Yes, there was something up. <laughs> uh, and then you get the courthouse dream sequence of like, I mean, Patrick, again, you just wrote about this, but like, well, we don't have a lot of time, so go read that article on the on the site. Um, if you're curious what Patrick's take is, I guess. Uh, but you just get this triple fake out of like, oh, they're going to rescue me. No, they're not going to rescue. Oh, they're going to rescue me. Oh, this is just a dream. Uh, I get sentenced to death. Uh, and then like you get put in front of of the the National Mall in Washington, D.C., filled with Nazis, which I know is not a reference to Trump's inauguration. But it is so like... The Nazis filled filled the National Mall, bro. Like you couldn't do it. <laughs> the Nazis pulled it off. Um, uh, I, didn't think, I didn't think about it that way, but that's very good. No. Like I said, there's no way that it's intentional. But it was like, you know, and it it, it there's it's like a moving in a bad way moment. Like it's overwhelming to be like, oh shit! Like here is this space where where civil rights leaders have filled it, where, uh, you know, the, the Million Man March, you know, shows up and tries to fill it, where you look at Obama's presidency and like, oh, no, like this is this is what this is what America looks like. <laughs> um, yeah. This is what America could look like is is fairly powerful. Uh, and also just like the disempowerment of the player in that moment. You're so used to being B.J. Blazkowicz, who is the unstoppable Nazi killing machine. And here you are on uh, as a trophy looking out on the, the sea of, 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 you know, screaming masses. Um, and, like, it presents it in that first-person view, and it's pretty powerful. Uh, and then you and get your then... head... Yeah, then you get your fucking head chopped off. <laughs> you got through here, right, Danielle? You got... Yeah, because yes. you're, in, you're in New Orleans, I'm right? in New Orleans. Yeah, God I'm looking damn. for a bank. Yeah. Right. Right. This sequence is so good um, and ridiculous and cartoonish and comic booky. Is it booky. good? Yeah, it's oh, good. It's, Are you it's fucking kidding me? Good. She dro- she cuts your head off and drops it. Like that was this moment of, of like, I had to walk away. It's like this game it just did the most wild shit. <laughs> I felt like uh, Henry Winkler going like you know uh, water shark? skiing. Yeah, no, uh, he jumped a robot it's, shark. Okay, it's one. a yeah. lot. <laughs> okay, so here's where it works for me: is it does go. It's it's a lot. It's a lot. And then they stick the landing by putting you on a uh, an Aryan super soldier body. <laughs> and for the rest of the game, this guy who is already privileged by white passing is now living the Nazi dream of <laughs> being the perfect man, quote unquote. And I think that the game could have tackled that or could have, like, worked through that even more. Um, Like, you know, you get 50 more health. Like, you literally get a better body mechanically. You also get weird superpowers because you have, like, a new mechanical contraption that they've taken back. (laughs) You can can breathe and make yourself tiny. You make yourself tiny. (laughs) You get, like, bad stilt legs. Or I did the ram shackle. I did the thing that lets you ram things. That felt like the most BJ-like solution. See, I, I, did, I did the the shrinkage one, yep. but then suddenly made the game feel way more like Dishonored <laughs> in like yes. the last third or so. Yes. 
because like, you could look around and be like, there's a there's a hole where mice go through. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> fucking, I'll go through let's, there. Let's do it. Yeah. And it, in some ways, uh, it really broke the level. Those like, oh, yeah. there were still areas I liked, but I think it they they made a fundamental miscalculation because it, those mechanics send you uh, down a path towards a design that is more akin to a Dishonored or, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, these immersive sims. But the level design doesn't actually go all the way to support that. So what ends up happening is that every time you go through a level, you just, like, reach. Like, you go around the corner. It's like, oh, there's the part where I could jump higher. There's the part where I could go lower. Like, it, uh-huh. it's, like it's very transparent about, like, Options A, B, and C, as opposed to making an organic level structure that like would support different yeah. approaches. Like they try to do that, yeah. but they don't go all the way in in a, in, in a way that like it actually made it frustrating because like there was a certain sequence. I think it's when you finish the Hitler stuff and you're like, or maybe it's something I don't know. But there was there was a certain section where like I was going through some scaffolding and like I saw in front of me like if I could jump higher. I know how to go through this area. Right. But I, ha- I had the thing where I had to go tiny, and I was like, I couldn't find the thing to go forward. Yeah. And I was just frustrated because I was like, okay, like I didn't get that power because the game was being arbitrary about handing them out. Although, I guess, in the post-game, you can go and unlock all of the powers <gasps> if you want to go like do some side quests. Oh, that's cool. Um, and, I, and I found that to be, like, as much as I like some of the narrative stuff they do in, in the last bits of the game, that, like, the level design kind of went off a cliff because yeah. I, I thought this stuff actually made the level design worse uh, I, in a way that yeah. was frustrating. I will say that the the having that thing that lets me ram through uh, two things. One, walls, key walls. Uh, two, <laughs> Nazis was the first time the combat worked for me because I got mm-hmm. to play a vanguard. Like in Mass Effect, basically. Uh, you charge forward, you put your shoulder down, and then the Nazis explode. And then you have shotguns, and you're just like, da 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 blah, like everyone's dead around me. And it's the first time that I felt the the sort of surge of power that I think people get from dual wielding in this game. Of just like, oh, I have a rifle, and I have a shotgun, and I'm just a, not an unstoppable killing machine. And like, no, I have a shoulder. Like, I'm going to put my fucking shoulder down and just end you. Uh, and that stuff, that ended up working for me. Also, I think the, oh, it's the, it's the, the train is before that. We didn't talk about the train. I like the train. That's all I want to say is I like that train fight a lot. Um, we have to talk about Hitler. I have to go soon, so we have to talk about Hitler. Okay. okay. Danielle, I'm going to spoil something. Hitler oh, is in this game. I know he is. I, I, read, I read stuff. You I should read watch this. the sequence the second we hang up. Yeah. Well, I'm oh going to okay. finish the game. I'm gonna okay, so it's far from the, the least surprising attendee at that casting call. That's yeah. true. So uh, I didn't. Uh, I also didn't Austin know. Austin made this reveal for me. Yeah, that Wait, made you a didn't lot pick of sense. Neither of no. us did. And then Brad uh-uh. Shoemaker, Giant Bombs Brad Shoemaker, told me, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> I, yeah, I'm so focused on okay. Hitler. Let do you me set this up. Let's set yeah, the Brad, stage. Rob, do you want to set up just like the whole? Yeah, this, this, the, yeah. what's happening. Okay, so uh, in order to get the MacGuffin that will allow you to take down the entire <laughs> Nazi network, you have to get this code out of the Oberkommando headquarters. But since you blew up Oberkommando headquarters, they relocated it to where else? Venus. Uh, the Nazis have colonized Venus. It's great. It's working out well. It's hot. Whatever. But how do you get to Venus? How can you convincingly get there? Well, they're I doing a casting how. call <gasps> for basically their equivalent of Zero Dark Thirty. Uh, which is yep. the sort of a they're making a movie. Well, it's presented as a movie. It's not a movie, but they're present they're they're making a movie about the capture of Terror Billy. And you go there as part of a casting call for a group of actors who's going to play Terror Billy. 
And that's really a great good. sequence. It's so you good. Kidnap the actor. And there's a debate between you and Anya. Like, is this guy a Nazi? BJ turns around and is like, hey, you a Nazi, buddy? And guy's like, no, no, no. And BJ's like, I can't even fucking tell anymore. And just <laughs> okay. lets it drop. Anyway, you go to this casting call. It turns out you're not making a movie. You are making an episode of Liesel, oh. uh, which is their version of Lassie, but with one of their giant dinosaur robot dogs. <laughs> But they have a special guest director, Adolf fucking Hitler, who in his dotage, and it is a grotesque and lingering portrayal of late life Adolf Hitler, uh, has basically become a full on shitty performance artist. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's actually going to be the one directing this uh, directing this movie. And you're there with a group of actors. Well, and, and his, his his producer or his like the director he's replacing is fucking uh, what's her name? It's um, it's uh, not Lenny Riefenstahl. Tra- yeah, it is. It absolutely is. No, because they they even refer to a Lenny Riefenstahl movie in, yeah, in no, the game. Yes, and it's in the movie. It's it's Hel- it's uh, Helene, which is Lenny's real name. That's oh, Lenny shit. Riefenstahl. Yes. Fuck. Sorry, okay. I had to drop two, like, I'm dropping bombs on Patrick. I'm dropping oh. bombs on Rob. <laughs> okay. So you're in this casting call, and there's Mr. Like, I'm a serious actor. This isn't stage work. There's Mr. Brando esque, like, 60s yeah. method. And then there's a really shitty actor uh, who's just kind of a simpering, ingratiating douchebag. And when you look at the notes for this casting call, it tells you who all the, all the actors are. And the shitty douchebag is only identified as Ronald, and then there's a coffee stain that's like that blots out the rest of his name. <laughs> and there's a jacket draped over his cat, his uh, director's chair, uh, that allows you to see his end. His name ends in G A N. Uh huh. <laughs> okay. It's Ro- it's Ronald Reagan. It's Ronald yep. Reagan is is out here trying to get in this Nazi TV show. Oh, it's so good. And he's terrible. He's so bad. <laughs> so he's like, I just want to make wholesome movies. I just want to be. I just want to be morally upright. And he's basically doing the same fucking shtick that he rode through the '60s when he was like collaborating with House on American Activities Committee. Uh-huh. He's basically being the same self-interested, which way is the wind blowing piece of shit he always was. <laughs> yes. And he tries that with Hitler. And he's like, I really want this part because I want to make morally uplifting art or some shit like that. Uh-huh. And Hitler looks at him and is like, well, this fucking sucks. And <laughs> blows his fucking brains out with a loop. It's unbelievable. And then you pivot into like the rest of that sequence, which is which walks this thin line between like terrifying and pathetic. And I did not think that they would. I, so they, they showed like the back of Hitler's head in a trailer that was on the social on their, their Twitter feed. So I knew Hitler was coming up in this I game. I didn't know he was in the game. I, know. I, 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 I wish I, I hadn't. Like, I specifically like I was not following their Twitter account. I only saw the things that got like retweeted by people when their mm-hmm. social media was like engaging in like from flirting to just outright, you know, like making fun and trolling like uh, uh, modern Nazis and, and, and the alt-right. Um, so I did, I had no idea he was in the game and I had especially thought that he wasn't going to be in this game because like they have, they were very specific in talking and framing the Wolfenstein games they were making as like, we want to make references to Hitler, but like we don't, 
it's very easy to fall into the trap of making a, a Nazi game about Hitler when there's so much more to say about yes. that world. And I thought that was very smart. That was always like a really good thing to do. And so when he walks in the room, I go, I started frustrated because I was like, really? Like, uh-huh. I I was hoping this was going to like, the natural end point was like Wolfenstein 3, I fight Mecha Hitler at the end and it gets goofy. Like, like I thought that yeah, was yeah, yeah. where you guys were going. You're going to wait till the very last minute to pull that out. This is so and much so better. I was, fr- I, was, I was frustrated they were going... To, to go that route, but then I realized why they kept it hidden, why they kept it for this moment, and to present him as, like, an utterly pathetic, like, uh, you know, shitting himself, like, garbage, like, do- like, he is a decrepit human being who is now living a decrepit life as his body becomes decrepit, and the way that he is illustrated as being pathetic, uh... Yeah, still grasping on to like what little he can yes. while he is just – he 100%. has so much power and privilege that he can shit, vomit in front of people <laughs> and kill people and everyone just acts like nothing's happening. Right. Like that is like the true like illustration of like what he has achieved in some way, which is both impressive and pathetic. Yeah. And the way that you're like nakedly able to observe that um, – Especially through like BJ's like Jewishness, like like as part of that character, like participating in this is is a lot. And I thought they for a scene that should not have worked. It's nothing about that should have worked. Uh, I, I I I thought like by a large extent it was it was a complete home run. Yeah, I'm shocked that I like that sequence, but I, I really like that sequence. You get the achievement. Yep. Oh hell yeah, I got right, the good. achievement. Danielle, get Rob? the achievement. Rob, of get course, the achievement. Rob said yes. Okay. Yeah. Don't let's not. That's I know this is saying. a spoiler cast, but I don't want to spoil I'm it for not. Danielle because it's so good. And if <laughs> yeah. you don't get the achievement, I know. Go back and get the achievement. Go back and get the achievement. I think- we might judge you. Like it actually <laughs> yeah. might be like like like. What side are you on? Yeah. Who yeah. Did you get, get the, the achievement? achievement? Yeah. That's what uh, Jeff Jeff uh, at Giant Bomb said. Like the same thing the other day, which was like it, you can judge who you want to be friends with based on whether or not they get the achievement. <laughs> Absolutely, a hundred percent. Wow. Uh, I have to run. Unfortunately, you guys should finish off this, right, this we'll conversation. Uh, What I'll I'll say briefly, the one last thing I want to say is we we didn't talk about New Orleans, but the sequence of uh, Billy or not Billy, uh, BJ and the pastor uh, is so good is so like the like the the back and forth of like whose fault is it? that the Nazis won? Is it the, is it like the radicals who refused to fight because they thought that the war effort was corrupt and, and fucked and were, and, or is it the, or is it the centrists like, like BJ? <laughs> is it the like traditional, you know, liberals who refused to engage with civil rights earlier and build a, a, a you know, a, a, a group together with the, with marginalized and, and minority populations in America? Or is it the radicals? Because when, you know, they, when push came to shove, they didn't sign up. Like, uh, or was it that you know it was like back and forth on that both ways in a way that I did not I did not anticipate that being in this game either, which is like a very contemporary but also a very ongoing real political push and pull between what what does resistance to fascism look like um, and and I loved seeing it. Uh, I think that that character is strong, not as strong as Grace, but still fairly strong. Uh, and just like on the final moments, I'd never in my fucking life believed that in 2017 I would see a leader of a black power movement and a leader of uh, 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 an openly socialist movement wearing a red arm, wearing a red socialist armband, <laughs> like delivering a message to America saying it's time to get up and fuck up some fascists. So that's yeah. like. There is something there is something about like I need more remove from this game because the emotional connection to that stuff and the 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 rarity of of that those perspectives is such that 
I am overwhelmed by it and and need some remove to to judge it more adequately and more uh, like not objectively but but at more remove. Um, but I think there's something powerful in seeing it and and also fuck that song that plays at the end. All right, I'm gonna go. Everybody, it's good talking about it, Danielle. The only thing you have to fear is the end of the, the game because there's a bad fight and then there's a bad song. Okay. Uh, all right. Okay. Enjoy the rest of this conversation, everybody, uh, and have a great uh, holiday if you're if you are celebrating. Don't forget to upload your file, Austin. I will upload peace. my file. Peace. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck it. God damn it. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. So you go to you go to Venus. Um, you have the whole the whole casting sequence. It is wild. Uh, you have to demonstrate you can play the part by murdering a Nazi guard in a cage fight, supervised by Adolf Hitler. Uh, and you're meant to read some lines, but after you murder him, uh, BJ instead turns to Hitler and screams at him. And Hitler's like, I love it. This is this is who I had in mind uh, for the part. Murders fake Brando. And uh, then you're in the Venus, moon, the, the Venus base, and uh, it's another Nazi space station uh, that you got to conquer. Uh, Patrick, anything to leap out for you here? No, it's kind of a slog. Like, it... it, it, it it some of these levels like other than just the uh the way that the level design kind of breaks under the uh you know as i was we were talking about earlier it's sort of like the, you know giving the players the different mechanics like i this is one of the moments where when people talk about how uh there's a a radical disconnect in the the feelings that you get in the story stuff the cutscene stuff and the feelings you get in the gameplay like i start I don't feel that as strongly except towards like the last couple hours of this game where like I've often felt like the sequences where I was fighting more Nazis as fun as that is I kind of felt like I just need to get through this because I want to see what what like the next story beat is and as someone that like largely enjoys the combat of these games like a lot more than Austin does like I find that the the dynamic switching between stealth and action to be like really successful and enjoyable and and something that uh like really sustains the game but um yeah, I don't know. Like, I found those levels to be sort of like generic and, and boring, and was mostly just like, okay, like let's get to the you know, <laughs> th- to the next thing. Like, I just kind of want to well, see where this is going at this point. And this was the second time I think I had to look up how to get how the fuck to get through a level uh, because yeah, like, even, I, even I had to do that. Mm-hmm. I think it sounds like we all maybe had to do that, except for Austin, I guess, because the game wasn't out yet. But I, yeah, my patience yeah. ran thin, and there were a couple of different times where I just looked up a walkthrough and was like, oh. Okay, I didn't even think to look over there. <laughs> so you go and fuck up this uh, Venus base. Uh, then you escape, but you have to help the crew in New Orleans escape because that entire like uh, political resistance ghetto is being liquidated by the Nazis. So you have to go down there and help everyone escape. I think that's I think that's how it unfolds. It might be uh, you help everyone escape before you go to Venus. But either way, uh, that's. Uh, yes, it is. You, you, this actually precedes Venus, so I'm, I'm botching it here. We, we sort of accelerated through this. But I actually do want to touch on the whole New Orleans crew. We talked about the, uh, the black revolutionaries. Uh, how did you guys find the New Orleans sequence? What did you make of the, uh, the remnants of the Communist Party uh, in, in this game? <laughs> <laughs> well, how far did you get into it, Daniel? I'm looking for the bank right now, so I am not quite there. I'm in New Orleans and uh, I haven't like encountered the cell itself. Oh, you yet. are literally like five steps from meeting the communists. Oh man! Well, uh, it's like, it's been a long five steps. I spent a lot of time lost. Uh, yeah, I, I ended up wandering like the warehouse for like an hour. Long, but yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I could hear at one point his like voice over a loudspeaker. Couldn't figure out where the hell it was coming from. Uh, yeah, so you go to New Orleans, you meet the uh, communists, and Austin alluded to it. How did you find that exchange, Patrick? Oh, I mean, it's the, like frenetic. It was. I mean, like that, that's what it's probably one of the best cutscenes in the game. Like, like it's just. Yeah, it's it's part of what's a bummer is meeting all those new sets of characters so late. Like, yeah. there's just they don't they don't give them enough time to breathe. Like, it's it's uh, you suddenly even though I wanted the the momentum of like the story made me feel like I wanted the the gameplay to kind of wrap up a little faster so I could just kind of see where the story was about to land. But when you as the moment you introduce those characters, like all I wanted was like I, it doesn't sound like the DLC is going to be about them. No, but I would have. I would have loved to have just played like a side mission where you were those characters. Um, like there's, um, what's the name of the guy who plays the flute? Uh, uh, shoot, he, he, something, I, something Jack. Is that him? Can't remember. No. I just know him as the clarinet guy. <laughs> yeah, um, the cl- right clarinet. And so that, so you actually got one of the best. So I looked up a couple of the Wyatt sequences, like when I was kind of seeing how things uh, changed because Fergus yeah. has such a disappointing arc in. Uh, the new Colossus in that they don't have anything for him to do. And it sounds like Wyatt doesn't necessarily have things to do. But in terms of the uh, like the party scene, um, which happens, you know, not long after um, you meet them and then the Venus stuff happens, like Wyatt gets the much better like scene with this clarinet um, that I, I was I was insanely jealous that you actually got the <laughs> chance to, to witness yourself. Well, I, no, I saw it with Fergus. So with the whole missing arm thing. What's that? So then, yeah. why? Well, I'm trying to. I'm trying to find the one that I'm looking. I'm trying to look up the cutscenes here. Right. I'm trying to see the one that Wyatt. So has. Yeah. Um, anyway. But anyway, yeah. I, I think you mentioned it's one of the best cutscenes in the game, and I think one of the reasons for that is um, the cutscene is trying to articulate a series of political political conversations that Austin alluded to. Right. Like you have the more like mainstream centrist. Like these are all the things we can agree on. Why can't we all just unite behind this far more uh, like milk toast, uh, less revolutionary ideology and just fight the big enemy uh, that, that we're all fighting the Nazis right now. And then the communists are replying with your vision of resistance, the society you're building doesn't include uh, doesn't include us, and actually you're just utilizing uh, the working class and our sons and daughters to wage your struggle, uh, and you'll forget about us as soon as it's done. And this is a very contemporary, and it's not even contemporary. This is a very old and yet never like never more urgent uh, conversation American political discourse, but it is still a political conversation. Uh, so how do you make that intense and exciting? You give it a sweet soundtrack. <laughs> you have a badass sniper lady picking off mm-hmm. Nazis in the background. While BJ, and I love this, because uh, sometimes this happens to me. Like, I'm from suburban Chicago, but it's also, like, a lot of my family are from a little further south in Indiana. Uh, you put a few whiskeys in BJ's hands and get him talking to somebody from the south. <laughs> His accent changes. He starts like expressing himself a little more coarsely, a little differently, and I just kind of love that. Like, oh, it's it's an argument between two, you know, two deep Southerners, uh, basically, like arguing about how to build a just society and a uh, inclusive resistance. Uh, and so it's a very fast, dynamic conversation, uh, and then it ends with you having to escape from New Orleans. And I just want to call it the sequence because I think it's. 
it's it's a fine sequence, uh, but it's dominated by one of the best visuals in the game. Uh, the Ava's hammer comes to rescue the New Orleans resistance. And it is the first time you're on the ground and you see it surface uh, to, to rescue the resistance. And you are looking at it down the street and it is like a towering skyscraper <laughs> uh, with like people on the on the prow of the ship, just like gunning down Nazis. Uh, but yeah, it's basically somebody looked at the. Uh, if you've ever seen the poster of the Normandy uh, luxury liner uh, by uh, Cassandra, mm-hmm. um, somebody basically did that poster, but with the Ava's hammer, and then was like, "You know, it'd be really badass is if that really dramatic angle and impression of the ship." was killing Nazis. Uh, so it's it's a really cool moment. You'll go off, the Venus adventure happens, and then you're building toward, um, well, then you have the party. And yeah, so in, in my version of the party, there's a comical set of misunderstandings with Fergus trying to romance a French woman. This is kind of the only thing he has to do in this game, which is a little depressing. Yeah. Uh, but he gets drunk at the party. It's very... Uh, Citadel DLC for Mass Effect. It's a way for all the characters to say goodbye and uh, sort of hang out together. And Fergus loses his arm um, because kind of the joke is it's got a mind of its own. And Fergus works his way, works up his courage to present this rose to this French woman. And he talks to the clarinetist and is like, what's the right way to go about this? How do I do this? Clarinetist is like, look, if it's come from the heart, it'll be fine. And it is a legitimately good beat. Fergus goes up and is like, Marie, since I met you, I've been wanting to do this. And he starts to extend the flower. <laughs> and then his arm sort of seizes, drops the flower, and claws onto her boob. Oh, no. And she's like, what the fuck? Fergus. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so Fergus freaks out and destroy, like, sort of destroys his arm, throws it around, beats the shit out of it. And the next day, you got to go find what, the, what happened to the arm. Something else happens with Wyatt? Uh, yeah, like he, it's, I, I believe, is, is that where he goes on the drug trip? I'm trying to Oh, speak. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Fergus is a, uh, is, well, not quite straight edge, but Fergus is a drug-free run. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wyatt, <laughs> Wyatt enjoys himself some hallucinogens. Mm-hmm. The Wyatt riot. So we can pretty much. Yes. There you go. All right. Yes. And, yeah. And that, that whole party scene is really, it, it's really good. Like it's, it's, uh, the, it's again, part of those tonal swings that the game takes, but it's a, it's a very cathartic, like, even though it gets, it, even for itself goes a little over the top and overextends itself. It's in a way that feels, especially given how close in proximity it comes to the Hitler moment. It, it feels very welcomed that the, to watch the crew just, act completely fucking ridiculous before the most important moment in their lives uh, and you can't really blame them and I like that they actually have everyone wake up like hung over and fucked yep. up and like, uh, and Sigrun <laughs> finally speaks up for herself um, yes. everyone has been treating her like shit calling her Nazi uh, like they use her but they don't really accept her uh, Bombate uh, she and him have a fling it means a lot to her it means nothing to him uh, she's kind of treated like shit, and that morning it kind of kind of comes to a head, and she chokes out Grace, and it's like you're never calling me Nazi ever again. You do not get to you you do not get me to you do not get to label me as something I am not. Um, and then she turns to Babante and is 
it's a very sweet, like she knows she's not going to get the guy. And she doesn't even care at this point. She doesn't even want him. But, but it's this great, like, and you, you're stupid enough to to know that I love you, but you don't even care. Oh. And that's fine. I'm going to dry my tears. But I am going to mentally use your body from time to time <laughs> to make myself feel better. And you can't stop me. <laughs> and uh, then you all go off on the mission to seize the Ausmerzer. Uh, but what that's really building toward is... um. What's her name? Frau Engel is basically on the Nazi Johnny Carson show that yes. night over LA. Oh yeah. Yeah. And she's sort of like giving her big victory lap interview about like the capture of terror Billy. And you are going to go down there and seize the stage killer and transmit your message to the American people to get them to rise up. Uh, the Alzheimer's sequence I found boring as fuck. It's another like, yep. Do you like armored enemies that take a lot of fucking killing and can take you down in two shots? Well, I've got the sequence for you. Oh, and that final t- battle, which doesn't, I didn't even know was the final battle. It doesn't like read as the final battle. It's just a really hard sequence that's nearly as hard as the courtroom sequence. And it's, ugh, it's the spikes of difficulty in the game are, were really, really put me off. And so you, you get control of the carrier. And then you go down to the studio in L.A. where <laughs> DeCoffer is the musical guest and Frau Engel is being interviewed by a Johnny Carson stand-in. And uh, Patrick, you want to talk us through the scene? Yeah, I mean, well, Austin basically alluded to a lot of, you know, what happens. It's like you, you, you know, you, you show up, you can kind of sit and uh, you can walk through some of the scaffolding above where the, the interview is happening. And I... I I'm sure there's probably a lot of dialogue that plays out. Like, I, I don't know how much of the interview, like, they recorded. There's a lot. I did not have, I did not have the patience for it. <laughs> like, I, I sat there for about 30 seconds. It was just like, nah, like, I know what's about to happen. Like, I know I'm going, I'm, I know I'm getting my catharsis right here. So I'm going to drop down there. I'm going to stab this lady in the throat. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you you basically go on live, live television. You stab this lady. You kill her. And then deliver this, like, unbelievably, like, fist pumping moment to you know to try and incite a revolution um where a bunch of the different characters you know kind of cycle through kind of explaining their their motivations and trying to impart some wisdom and it's just a uh i mean yeah i i was literally pumping my fist at the end being like give me wolfenstein three <laughs> like it's not in three years but take your time because i understand these things you can't rush them but it's a it's a really like Let's like forget like forgetting the end credits music aside, which is like really undercuts you know <laughs> what happens. But like it's an incredibly like both games I think end incredibly strong. Like I think Wolfenstein one if 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 the New Order didn't get a sequel, I think that story stands alone really well. Like I think like you can imagine BJ dying and like it was a story about like small bits of resistance, even if it doesn't ultimately were you know result in winning the day and. Even if somehow there isn't a third one of a third Wolfenstein, which would really shock me, I'm sure they're just gonna they'll let them play this out at this point. Um, but even if it ended here, uh, it's a satisfying end. Like the video games, Works the, especially ending. takes yeah, like video like this isn't just video games. So like all media that like because they, they talked about this this story arc they had in conceived it as a trilogy. Like they thought of three games in order to, to tell the story they wanted to tell. But what they have done really exceptionally well in both games is 
told a coherent narrative with a satisfying conclusion at the end of both of them, where for some reason you didn't get another one, I, I wouldn't be sitting there going, I'd be upset because I, I want to see where they go from here and, and see what else, what other stories they have to tell. But I don't feel it's, that is not solely contingent upon like unresolved plot points. Like they resolved the story that, that the new Colossus wanted to tell, like which was about America, uh, you know, uh, acquiescing to the Nazis and how that happened and how different groups um, um, made hay with that. Um, and that story was told. And I don't know what the story is going to be in the third one, but I, I, I was deeply satisfied by the by the end of it. Yeah, the ending. I don't know how this is going to look in God, hopefully years to come when the nightmare of our pre- political present uh, has passed and, and maybe things are uh, trending a little bit more in a positive direction. Uh, it's it's hard for me to assess. Like Austin was talking about the immediacy, uh, the emotional immediacy of that moment. I think for me, there's also political immediacy where it's mm-hmm. like it is very difficult to assess this as a piece of art when right now its propagandistic message is a hundred percent the one I am ready to hear right now. And I don't like you know it's possible in ten years time this is eyeball rolling. You're just like, oh, man, this is like all the characters come out and kind of preach about like, you know, why it's time to rise up against, uh, you know, racial supremacy and uh, fascists in America. Uh, Maybe in time that will start to seem like sort of a silly and self-indulgent sequence, self-important sequence. But right now it was a great sequence. Uh, It was effective in its moment. Um, You know, like I got a little maybe echo of the way the Marseillaise scene in Casablanca might have read to audiences in like 1941. Right. Um, but the other thing that strikes me about that uh, sequence, and it sort of ties back to the Reagan thing, there's a lot in this game that is tied to the culture of the boomers uh, and sort of the... <laughs> the major cultural icons that sort of helped define them as a generation. And some of that is like icons of like resistance or appropriated culture. Uh, the fact that Nazis have so, sort of co-opted a lot of pop music. Uh, but the, also the fact you've got Jimi Hendrix uh, sort of explicitly out there joining the resistance in, in the earlier game. Uh, but then you've also got the fact that like in this, in this reality, uh, you know, talking about Ronald Reagan a moment ago. And I think that, you know, as a liberal, it's easy for me to really dislike Reagan, but I also think this game is getting at something, which is that uh, throughout Reagan's career, he did sort of seize opportunities, whether or not it meant throwing other Americans who weren't like him under the bus. And he appears in this game doing kind of much the same thing that made him like a leader in Hollywood uh, in the 50s during the Red Scare. And here he is under the Nazis sort of playing a very similar game, sort of being very aw shucks, all-American, but really kind of finding whatever edge he thinks he can get and and seizing it. And then the game ends with one of the most beloved icons of culture in the 50s, 60s, 70s, uh, Johnny Carson, you know, and the, and, and the late-night talk show uh, becoming the stage for... Uh, revolution and there's even a echo of network uh, i think uh one of the characters says we're mad as hell and we're not going to take it <laughs> uh explaining why this revolution is going to happen and, and so i think there's there's another interesting 
element of like recontextualizing mainstream American culture of the latter half of the 20th century and both revealing maybe some of the rot that's been there all along, uh, as well as the counterculture and cross currents that were sort of resisting uh, some of the, you know, worse angels of the American nature. Uh, so I think that's another cool thing that this game is doing throughout. Not that the game obviously had to sort of touch on everything uh, by any means, but I, obviously I haven't finished it yet. So I, was there any mention that you encountered or anything that sort of attacks what happened to the Japanese during this, in this sort of alt, uh, alt history, alt future, whatever? Um, obviously, like the Japanese internment in America wouldn't have happened, maybe at this point, because things went differently. But I, I wonder if that was an angle that could have been considered or wasn't considered or was considered and just, you know, wasn't this story specifically. I, I don't remember there being, I, I believe it's touched upon, but I don't remember what the game actually speaks to in terms of, um, that so part of the war front. I think in the first game, there's maybe a news clipping okay. out in the headquarters that basically says like, Oh yeah. And the Nazis turned on the Japanese and, uh, basically invaded through Russia into China and then the oh, home islands. Yeah, that's okay. right. Uh, so yeah, they actually kind of duck it. Uh, you do not have that, uh, the man in high cat, the high castle, uh, thing where there's the Japanese are like unequal partners in, in the Axis enterprise, uh, in this version of history, both the Italians and the Japanese are completely sidelined okay. very early. And also, the game doesn't... I, I'm not sure it mentions internment at all. Okay. I'm just wondering, because I remember seeing some things in the, in the uh, Roswell sequence about sort of things that had happened to the Native Americans, like to, to you know, to folks who, indigenous folks, basically, in uh, America. Oh, like the Mescalero workforce yeah. and, and things like that. Yeah. There's a few sort of vague references, but it doesn't, and I'm, I'm not trying to say that the game has to obviously be all things to all groups or anything. If that's not part of the story, it's not part of the story. But it did seem a little bit like, okay, there were some details thrown in a little bit uh, about like, okay, so so what happened to the people who, you know, necessarily were also under a lot of this, who are also under like a pretty fucked up regime in actual history, who who are actually, you know, sort of suffering in, in real American history, other than, you know, sort of what's in the main text of the game. And like, I, it, it's one of those things where it's like, I, I, on some level, I appreciated that that was in there, that like, oh, there's an acknowledgement of, of indigenous folks, like in this world and what happened to them. Um, but it didn't seem to really do much with it. And I, I don't know. I, I'm just sort of bringing it up here as, as sort of a meditation, whether or not there's, there's anything to that or whether or not like the game needed to do something with it. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'll be, I guess that's some part of what I'm curious. And I guess maybe we can use this as a, a means to talk about like what anyone would want from the third game. If they, if they get around to making that, because I think uh, like what you're touching on Danielle, like touches on, like part of what I appreciated about the the difference between the New Order and New Colossus was that they they seemed to pick up on the right threads of the things I liked about that game sure. and continued to pull on them. And I'm I'm curious if maybe that, you know, now that they you know, they've they've covered part of Europe, they've covered part of America, like maybe maybe that's where the you know, the third game goes is more of a globe trotting sort of adventure as they try to unravel um 
you know, sort of the the larger Nazi threat worldwide. Like maybe that'll be an opportunity where they'll be able to give us like a better picture. Because uh, I mean, clearly they they've thought through a lot of what that world building yeah. is, or you know, how much I don't know how much that is happening. Like in a book, you know, a Bible they made ahead of time, or what they're kind of retconning as they go along. <laughs> but either way, they they always seem to be very thoughtful about it. And so I'm I'm with you that I would hope one of the things that happens with uh, the third game is that they. They dive deeper into that stuff, like to give us a better picture of how different cultures, how different um, minorities, you know, are, are struggling or fighting back under, you know, the, this this new sort of regime they find themselves in. I'd be very interested. Think, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think they have laid some groundwork for this. Like in the first game, you find diaries. Uh, there's there's implications that like resistance is still happening in Central Africa. Uh, for mm. instance, Bombate yeah. uh, is a uh, someone from southern from the southern half of Africa, basically uh, sub-Saharan Africa, uh, who was who has been captured and and brought in. But like he is member, he is a member of an active and ongoing resistance. You find letters from that uh, anthropologist, uh, the German anthropologist, who I think is off in the Andes doing like studies. Uh, on indigenous peoples and is legitimately just trying to be an anthropologist, but uh, he's surrounded by Nazis and he's sort of writing, I think with some misgivings about like what he is starting to witness and like how the Nazi regime is interacting with, uh, you know, previously uh, uncontacted tribes and indigenous peoples. So there are implications like there are like, it's not that the entire globe is completely under Nazi rule, it's that it is continually sort of expanding further and further into more remote locations. And I could see and, and would hope to see that a Wolfenstein three starts addressing that as well, because we've seen the first game is like, is kind of about the initial people who had to fight the Nazis historically. It's about Europeans and, and, and Jewish people like resisting the Nazis. The second game is about, you know, African-Americans and uh, you know American American leftists. Um, I think it'd be cool if the third game is sort of touching touching on this idea that like there are there is resistance uh, you know beyond the beyond these groups. There's resistance among indigenous populations and African populations and Southeast Asian populations. Absolutely. Hundred percent. Well, I think that I th- we talked a lot about Wolfenstein, guys. <laughs> we sure did. Four hours of Wolfenstein. Oh, uh, yeah. About not not quite a Blade Runner twenty forty nine. We talked the length of the game, uh, but <laughs> but I think we I think we done did it. Uh, how do you end these? Oh, we always say I don't have it in front <laughs> no, of me. Actually, it's convenient. We have we have another host yeah, here. I don't have it in front of me, but I know it. I know it, Cole. We always Good. we always say shout outs to Bowen. For letting us use this track, Miss You, off the EP Pale Machine. We always say thank you so much for listening to the show. We always say thank you to our producer. We're not sure if this one's going to be a Sophie or a Rob joint, but thank you either way, whoever produces this. We also always say that we are on Twitter at Waypoint. We're on Facebook at Waypoint Vice and on YouTube at Waypoint Vice. And now we go into where can we find you on the internet, Patrick? Find me at Patrick Club. Awesome. Where can we find you, Rob? Uh... Max Haas. <laughs> Max, Max Haas. at Haas. Okay, cool. Rob Zachney, right? That's something like that on Twitter. I'm at Danielle R.I. on Twitter. And of course, Austin is Austin underscore Walker. He's not Austin Space Walker. He's Austin underscore Walker. 
Thank you so much, everyone, for being a part of this uh, 101. I feel like this was more than a 101, though. This was like a 307. Like. Uh, yeah, this was not a 101 <laughs> level podcast. I feel like I just finished my yeah, yeah my, my my 500 final. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I I just want to point out as we conclude this podcast that um, at Big Boy Max Haas is a Twitter account. Nice. And it has 65 tweets, and they all say Max Haas. <laughs> oh, that's so good. That's very sometimes good. Sometimes with an exclamation mark, sometimes with a question mark, sometimes multiple times in a row. <laughs> but they all say Max Haas. <laughs> I'm really glad that exists. I'm re- thank you, whoever made that in the world. Thank you for, for being the Max that Haas is in your heart. That's it's beautiful. It's really, really beautiful. Uh, so It's very good. Thank you, Machine Games making these games and uh, that's probably all the thank yous so I will finally just say be good and be good at it Max House Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.